This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. everyone this is the other side of midnight it's monday the weekend is over and has been for a full hour that's right wakey wakey eggs and bakey uh, it is time for the start of a brand new week hopefully you did something fun this weekend or at least got to rest up a little bit and uh who knows maybe your weekend is continuing into monday whatever the case may be uh thank you for listening Great to be on after my friend Dominic Carter. Always a pleasure to see him and talk with him. Now, uh, you remember the play and the, or the or the film, The Music Man? It's on Broadway again now with Hugh Jackman. I, I'm sure tickets are just exorbitant. I, I haven't even looked at tickets because I'm sure it's eight or nine hundred dollars for obstructed view and a six year wait or something along those lines. But I always love The Music Man, and uh, I love the movie. I think it still holds up to this day. And there's one scene that uh, was resonating in my brain throughout the weekend, and that is the scene where Professor Harold Hill, those of you that remember the musical will know exactly of which I speak, Professor Harold Hill has to manufacture a crisis for the people of River City. He needs to create a problem that needs solving, something that he, through a boy's band can be the solution too. So he has to make up something and he gets the whole town worked up over a pool table. And I mean, it's just ridiculous because how much of a problem is a pool table for a community? Now it's not a problem, but I was thinking about that because in this country we have a real big problem. And my fear is it's only getting worse. And unlike the music man and Professor Harold Hill and the made up problem of a pool table, this is something that almost no one is talking about. I haven't heard anybody else mention this aside from the one article that I'm about to cite to you. And it's a problem that I'm not confident we're anywhere near solving. Headline in the Wall Street Journal two days ago. Why so many women in middle age are on antidepressants. Scientists are gaining a better understanding of women's midlife depression. For years, middle-aged women have had one of the country's highest rates of antidepressant use. Now, scientists are starting to better understand why and to develop more targeted treatment for women's midlife depression. Listen to some of these numbers. You ready for this? About one in five women, one in five, that's 20% for those of us that attended New York City public schools, one in five women ages 40 to 59 And nearly one in four women, it's 25% for those of us that attended New York City public schools, ages 60 and over, 
used antidepressants in the last 30 days during 2015 to 2018, meaning uh, when they were asked the question in a survey, have you used an antidepressant in the last 30 days? One out of every four women over the age of 60 said yes. One out of every five women between the age of 40 and 59 said yes. Now, this is according to data that just came out from the National Center for Health Statistics. It's a reputable group. It's not some uh, opinion survey, some pollster that will come up with whatever results you want. Now, among women ages 18 to 39, that's younger women, the figure was about 1 in 10, still pretty high. Among men, 8.4% of those ages 40 to 59 and 12.8% of those 60 and older used antidepressants in the last 30 days. So it's a much higher rate of depression and antidepressant use in women of all ages than men. These figures are all of a sudden drawing increased attention from scientists and doctors. Many of them are just alarmed at how high depression rates were among mid, mid they used to call them middle age now they call them midlife women even before the pandemic now that the past 2 years have exacerbated mental health issues for Americans some doctors are also concerned that antidepressants are being overprescribed for menopausal symptoms symptoms in general Women have had much higher rates of depression than men throughout much of their lives. In midlife or middle age, for those of us that are retro, the risk is greatest during the years leading up to menopause and right after it. Now, the dramatic fluctuations in hormones that cause the most commonly known symptoms of hot flashes and night sweats can wreak havoc on mood too. That's according to a bunch of psychiatrists, a bunch of uh, people that are supposedly experts in mental health and women's health. So I I have a few questions about this because I find this really alarming, potentially, because as it stands now, scientists are working to understand just how hormones may drive depression, but receptors for estrogen and progesterone are found throughout the brain, including in regions involving movement, cognition, mood regulation. A few questions for you at 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Why, in your opinion, are women of this age, and you can answer either for women age 40 to 59 or women age 60, because these are both pretty alarming numbers in both age groups. Why are women of this age on antidepressants? Do you think there's a higher instance of depression? Or do you think doctors are too quick to prescribe antidepressants? 800-848-WABC. Now, I would also love, because depression is a very real problem in this country, And it's only gotten worse due to the pandemic. And I suspect that these numbers are going to get worse once the data from 2020 and 2021 comes out. But I would also love if you're male or female, whatever tips you might have on dealing 
with depression. Now, everybody gets depressed once in a while. It's only when depression is chronic, unrelenting, and debilitating do you have depression. But if you have tips on dealing with serious depression that don't involve drugs, whatever it is, maybe it's exercise, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's uh, talk therapy, maybe it's listening to uh, upbeat, educational, fun, jovial programs like this one. Whatever the whatever the suggestion that you have, I am sure there are a lot of listeners listening to us right now who are dealing with some of the same issues. 800-848-9222. Uh, that's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, additionally, uh, some people believe that it's the fact that women aren't taking hormone therapy that are leading to these diagnoses of depression. Uh, Do you buy that? Do you think that the doctors quoted in this Wall Street Journal piece are onto something that maybe if more women took hormone therapy for menopause, that they wouldn't be in need of antidepressants. So 800-848-WABC. My take is there's no question that antidepressants can really help people. If you are so depressed, uh, especially to the point where you cannot get out of bed, you can't function, you can't be a contributing member of society, and you're, you're not able to function without them, antidepressants can be a big help. However, I believe they're seriously overprescribed. Additionally, I believe that these numbers are going to get much, much worse. And I'd love to get ahead of this as, you know, because I think really we really need a holistic approach to this. Not only the medical community, not only women's health advocates, not only the media, not only schools, not only hospitals, not only academia, but everybody. I really think this is a societal problem that has the potential to have a ripple effect among almost every different aspect of society. I think this is going to get worse because we've seen over the last two and a half years people that were never depressed all of a sudden find themselves depressed because maybe they've lost a lot of friends to COVID. Maybe they've lost some family members to COVID. Maybe they're just depressed because they can't function normally because of the lockdowns and do things they enjoy doing, like uh, go to a Broadway show without a mask, like go to a restaurant, like go to a bar, like uh, get together with friends. And that those loss of those social activities, my Aunt Camille, for instance, she was very frustrated not being able to go to church. She felt like she was in solitary confinement. So I think this is going to get much worse. And I think it's so important for people, and that's why I'm really curious about your tips for dealing with this at 800-848-9222. The tips that people have for dealing with depression that don't involve drugs. I think if people can have an arsenal of strategies to cope 
with either occasional or chronic depression before they turn to drugs, then I think the better off they're going to be. And that's my take. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let me begin with Diane in Brooklyn. Hello, Diane. Hey, hi. Okay, well, I'm 75. Um, I never went through any of the physical maladies of uh, menopause. I went through menopause, but I never had hot flashes or any of that. But uh, And I'm kind of a loner, although, uh, you know, I, I'm an artist, too. See, so I don't really depend on people that much, but I really, but I, but I do realize though, and I have experiences and seen it in others that middle-aged and older women are not really valued as much, not necessarily by their family, but by society as a whole. They're not really listened to. I mean, you know, when a woman is young and fertile and all that, they're given a lot of attention. But after that, you know, it's, uh, I think that has a lot to do with it, especially when you compare it to people uh, being boxed up in, at COVID, which I never was. I always went out. And by the way, I never took the vaccine. I take vitamin D3. But that's another thing. Yeah, let's but, put this um, vaccine discussion aside for the yeah, moment. No, 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 I'm not getting into that. But but um, you see, it's similar to because if, if people are kind of kept away from regular activities and other people, you see, that kind of reflects on what I'm saying about yeah. how women are not valued as much once they reach middle age and, and, and old age. Diane, that is such a great point, and it's mentioned nowhere in this Wall Street Journal article, and I think you might be on to something. Do you think that women over the age of 60, for instance, are valued less by society than men over the age of 60? Definitely, yeah, of I course. agree. I agree with of you. Course, because women are valued by their beauty. I mean, it, it, it really, I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, of course, uh, unless you're, you know, the very famous person or very rich, but uh, the average woman, yeah, they're valued by their beauty. Diane, but- I, I think that's a, a great point. Thank you for mentioning that. And I'm glad you're doing well. You know, it's funny what she says. She's absolutely right. There doesn't seem to be a lot of... Um, Uh, efforts on the part of TV executives, for instance, to program television for women over the age of 60. I mean, you have a couple of channels like the Lifetime channel that comes to mind. But by and large, that's not the first group that people think of. And she's right. There is this worship of youth. And I think as a society, we do tend to give the cold shoulder to a lot of seasoned citizens, especially women. For instance, you know, um, if a man is aged 65 or, or 70, for instance, and he ends up dating, maybe even marrying a woman 20 or 25 years his junior, nobody freaks out. Nobody goes crazy. But if a woman aged 65 or 70 dates a woman 25, 30 years her junior, first of all, it's pretty rare. Second, you hear all sorts of comments. 
Look at the comments they make about Emmanuel Macron and his wife. Look at the comments they made about uh, Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher when they were together. She's exactly right about that. There is this worship of youth culture, which I do think plays into a sense of alienation that may go beyond the medicinal aspects that this article covers. So doctors speculate that antidepressant use among middle-aged women is being driven in part by the reluctance of women and many of their doctors, by the way, in recent decades to use hormone replacement therapy for menopause systems. In 2002, there was a large study that the Women's Health Initiative uh, did. It was stopped after women taking hormone therapy had an increased risk of breast cancer, heart attacks, and strokes. Later analysis found that the risks were largely concentrated among women who were older when they started the hormone therapy. For women in their 50s, hormone therapy actually reduced the risk of heart disease and death from any cause. So what about that? Do you buy that a lot of these prescriptions for antidepressants could be avoided if some women experiencing menopausal symptoms were to instead try hormone therapy? Give me your take on any of the four questions that we're posing in respect with respect to this article. I find this pretty alarming. Um, maybe you don't. I do. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Al is in Manhattan. Hello, Al. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Um, to me, it's a multi-pronged uh, problem, and there's lots of solutions. A lot of these uh, chemicals are trying to raise the serotonin level. Naturally, you can raise it yourself. Lots of ways. Exercise. Uh, having hopeful things to think about in the future, like uh, you go on vacation, you go to the ocean, you go to a lake. They know for a fact, within minutes, your blood pressure comes down, you're calm. You eat a sweet banana. Guess what? It has serotonin in it, in addition to potassium. You ever notice a minute later, you feel better? Chocolate, serotonin. That's why women, they eat chocolate about a minute or two later. They all feel it a little bit better. Little things like that, even a little haagen You have a, a, a spoonful or two a day. Guess what? That's something. But the main thing is you have to be your own best cheerleader, you know? You can't uh, – they say even like the act of smiling within 30 seconds, your serotonin is lifted. But if you want to be down in the dumps, guess what? Even though it's a real and physical thing and you can exacerbate it mentally – you can pull yourself out a lot of times. Well, that's true. You know, that's true, Al. And again, I don't want to, and I appreciate the call. Those are all good tips. Uh, go to a beach. Uh, even the act, by the way, of what Al's suggesting, of, of looking forward to a vacation on a beach can have a positive mental aspect. Meditation, banana, maybe even a little ice cream, all good, Al. Um, I don't want to act like there's something wrong with being occasionally depressed. Of course there's not. But it's when that depression is chronic, unrelenting, and debilitating that I think then there's a problem that needs addressing. And unfortunately, a lot of middle-aged women and older women are experiencing that. 800-848-9222. Mary Beth is in Huntington. Hello, Mary Beth. I was calling about something else before you started this topic, and this topic has um, really captured my attention dramatically, Frank. Thank you for bringing it up. Oh, sure. Um, thanks, for, thanks for calling. 
one of the things that I think is the gentleman who just called said, you know, have a little chocolate, this or that. Yeah, maybe. But I think when you cut back on your sugar intake and sugar is in practically everything we consume today, that really does help. It really does something uh, to you. I completely brain. agree with you. Completely agree. And I also agree so much with the woman who first called in. Um, our society worships youth, especially youthful females. And women are beautiful at every age. We really are. We offer so much. And it's so nice to hear a man like you embrace this subject and worry about, you know, women and what's happening to them. Um, Hormonal therapy, I don't think, was really investigated enough, researched enough. It was like a panacea in the beginning. So they gave it to women of all ages. And now they're finding out, well, no, wait a minute. Maybe it was bad if you started it longer after you started menopause. This is all still being you know, researched. And I think women need to find doctors who talk to them but also listen to them because everybody's body chemistry is different and everybody is experiencing things in life that are different that may tend towards depression. Uh, Mary Beth, great observations. Uh, did, did you want to comment on what you were initially calling about as well? Uh, you could take 10 seconds, 20 seconds to do that as well if you want. Oh, thank you, Frank. Um, this morning, oh, well, yesterday morning, you were on the roundtable with Mr. Katsimatidis. Yes, and thanks for listening. I, I so enjoyed that interview with George Pataki and the work he is doing in Ukraine. And, you know, you you asked him some wonderful questions about how we can help. And I'm wondering if, if you would just tell your listeners, you know, quickly what he's doing. And sure. how uh, absolutely. Uh, and thank you, Mary Beth. Appreciate you mentioning that. Appreciate you listening to that. Yeah. You know, I honestly, I've become a big fan of governor Pataki. I was, I never voted for governor Pataki, never campaigned for him in three elections. And uh, look, if you look at the job that he did in three terms as governor and compare them to Andrew Cuomo, we would be lucky to have somebody like George Pataki uh, these days. So Governor Pataki is he was in Hungary when we spoke to him and then he was in Ukraine a little bit later. He's right now leading a mission to help um, Ukrainian refugees. And this is something that I think everybody can get behind. Whether you're conservative, liberal, whether you're uh, whether you agree with uh, Zelensky or or some other people, the people that are losing their homes right now and forced to leave the, the homes that they've been living in for years, they uh, they didn't ask for this. They played no role in this geopolitical crisis. And Governor Pataki is trying to help a lot of people, and I say more power to him. If people want to make a small donation to the Ukrainian Relief Fund. You can go to georgepatakicenter.com. That's georgepatakicenter.com. I think this is great what they're doing, and uh, we're trying to increase awareness about it. Uh, I say kudos to you, Governor Pataki. 800-848-WABC. If you want to comment on this or anything else we are talking about, uh, let me let me take a quick break, and then we'll continue with uh, we'll continue with your calls. Those of you that are holding, I promise we will get to you. 800-848-9222. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Morano Fan. And speaking of governors. 
is one aspect of the gerrymandering case that I brought to your attention on Friday, or some of you read about it, some of you heard about it on uh, on a bunch of other shows over the weekend. There's one aspect of the gerrymandering case you haven't heard about yet. I'll tell you, it may sound far-fetched, I'll tell you, and the passing of a comedy legend. We'll go through that and a whole lot more. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. WABC. Them. Um, well, look, the clock, at least on the East Coast, I know we have listeners all over the country, the clock may say that it's morning, that it's a.m., but the truth is, if you look outside, it still feels like night. Am I right? Uh, I want to welcome back uh, an instrumental member of our team, our family, here at the uh, radio station, uh, the great, uh, the great Molly, our uh, producer and telephone talent coordinator. She wears a lot of other hats as well. Back after a two-week hiatus, Molly, welcome back. We missed you. Yeah, you should be calling it a sabbatical, really. A sabbatical. Did you do a lot of educational work during that two weeks? I, I did not work for it, but it found me. <laughs> good. Well, good for you. So, did you have a, a good two weeks away? F- I don't want to say off if it was a sabbatical, but away from here. Uh, so my headphones are, are messing with me, but I got most of that. It was good. Um, I did a little vacationing and then I did a lot of, uh, administerial work on the personal life, um, feeling much more, uh, in my box. All right. Well, since, um, since your headphones are... Not providing optimum performance. I'll refrain from asking you any other questions about the last two weeks, but it's good to have you back. We missed you. And uh, if you want to talk to Molly, you can do so at 800-848-9222. Ideally, it should be a first step in going on the air. It shouldn't necessarily be, you know, an end in and of itself. You shouldn't call Molly and say, hey, tell Frank uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, you you can tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't put Molly in that position where I have to then rebut your arguments to her. Call in yourself. And I, I second that, Frank, because yeah. I I have to do a lot of encouragement to get people to say anything not nice to you on air. And I'm like, please, he can take it. I, I certainly can. He would not be in the chair if he could not take it. Well, you'd be surprised. There are some other hosts that uh, have a tough time uh, taking uh, taking criticism. But uh, I'm glad to see your headphones are working again. All right. I mean, those of you that are holding them, we'll get to you in a minute. But interesting story that we've been following. Thursday, a judge upstate 
vote, uh, decided to throw out the gerrymandered congressional and state legislative district lines for this year's election and ordered the legislature to come up with something new, or if they can't, he's going to appoint a court-appointed referee. Not surprisingly, Governor Hochul and uh, Attorney General Tish James, they went and got a stay, and uh, the lines as they were are still in effect so far. This case will go to the appellate division, and then ultimately state court of appeals, which is our highest court. It's sort of a weird system in New York where the Supreme Court is not supreme. It's the Court of Appeals in New York. That's our version of the Supreme Court. So appellate division will hear the case next on an expedited basis. Then it'll go to the Court of Appeals, presumably also on an expedited basis. Now, if the Court of Appeals decides that this lower court ruling is right, then there's an excellent chance that they may have to push back the primary, which is scheduled for late June. And there's a small chance, at least, that they may have to push back petitioning. Petitioning is going on right now. It's going to end within the next few days. But you think about it. Look, if I'm running in my congressional district, for instance, which is Nicole Maliotakis' district, I can get signatures in Sunset Park. I can get signatures in Park Slope, all for the same congressional district. But if it's the old lines, then those signatures wouldn't count for that member of Congress. And the mere fact that these lines are as they are had an impact on helping candidates determine what races they were going to run for, which races they were not going to run for. So you may have other candidates that said, oh, I, I would run under the old lines, I'm not going to run under these new lines. So it, it could have a whole... I know you want to use the term twice in one hour, but it could have a whole ripple effect. Now, I asked a friend of mine over the weekend who's very plugged in. He is a political insider, an insider's insider. Happens to be a Republican. But his analysis is pretty nonpartisan. I said, so listen, tell me the truth. What do you think is going to happen with his court decision? He says, well, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Does Andrew Cuomo still control the state court of appeals? Because keep in mind, the majority of the judges on the court of appeals were appointed by Andrew Cuomo, including the chief judge, Janet Fior. And I said, I don't know. He said, well, let's say Andrew Cuomo does still control the court of appeals. Is there any better scenario for him than delaying the primary and stopping the clock on petitioning and allowing him another month to get his act together and get a petitioning operation together and be able to run in the primary? And I thought that was interesting. And he was the first person that had mentioned anything like that to me. I'm curious. And then look, I know we like to explore conspiracies on this show. But as far as conspiracies go, that is not the most far-fetched conspiracy I've heard. I'm curious, do you think there's anything to that? That maybe the Court of Appeals kicks the can down the road for a month, restarts petitioning to allow Andrew Cuomo to get a full 40 days of petitioning in. Now, he really shouldn't, or any statewide candidate really shouldn't have a full 40 days 
because the district lines for the state of New York these in statewide races haven't changed. It's just individual district races that have changed. But I thought that was an interesting scenario. What do you think? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Some very sad news over the weekend. My wife informed me Friday when I woke up from my nap that one of the great voices in the history of television, in the history of motion pictures, in the history of comedy, has unfortunately been silenced. Uh, Actually, I don't want to say she's been silenced because she's still heard in countries around the world, watched and listened to by probably millions, maybe even hundreds of millions of people each and every day. However, uh, one of the great voices that we've been accustomed to for the last 40, 50 years or so has moved on to the great hereafter. That voice is... Oh my God, you're getting married? Yes. Oh, I can't believe it. Frank, come here. You come here. Georgie's getting married. What? Georgie's getting married. Get the hell out of here. He's getting married? Yes. To a woman? Of course a woman. What does she look like? I'm sure she's plenty gorgeous. What difference does it make what she looks like? Is she pretty? Yes, she's pretty. What difference does it make? Well, I'm just curious. She's not pretty? Let me talk to her. Uh, A terrific actress, Estelle Harris, originally Estelle Nussbaum, probably best known for her role as Estelle Costanza, George's mother, on the television series Seinfeld from Hell's Kitchen, originally, right here in Manhattan, passing away at the age of 93, the child of Polish-Jewish immigrants who owned a candy store, She grew up largely in Pennsylvania. She's been acting for years. She was very big long before she um, had fame on television and uh, in movies. She was very big in television commercials. That was sort of her bread and butter for many years. And uh, she kind of broke out with that role in Seinfeld. But she had a lot of other great roles as well. She had a terrific role in a wonderful episode of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, she's in a lot of great animated films because she has a voice that's so inst- instantly recognizable and so uh, unique, quite frankly. And um, you just couldn't help but laugh when I when you heard her yell. She, there was something so comedic and so humorous about her her shriek. Now, on Friday, if you were listening to or Thursday, I don't remember which day. The days sort of become a blur. But on Thursday or Friday, we had a trivia question during the $1,000 Minute over about Mr. Potato Head. Now, in the films, the Toy Story films, beginning with Toy Story 2, she actually provided the voice of Mrs. Potato Head, and she would continue to reprise that role for the whole Toy Story franchise. Oh, my little sweet potato. Sweet potato? Who do you think you're talking to? I have over 30 accessories, and I deserve more respect. And uh, her last film, by the way, will be Toy Story 4. Uh, she re- was in Toy Story 3, and she it, Toy Story 4 is, um, that I think, her final film role. Interestingly, her husband, Cy Harris, passed away just last year. And, you know, it's funny. You so often see that. They had been married since the 1950s. And I really do think, going to our earlier conversation, that there really is such an important 
de- physical dimension to mental and psychological health. Now, obviously, she was 93. She was going to die r- relatively soon anyway. But when your partner of half a century passes on, sometimes it can be very difficult to uh, to continue. Uh, just to cope. So uh, a mother of three, I never met her, never interviewed her, but uh, she seemed like a a wonderful lady and a very talented actress. Uh, She really was. And uh, she was very funny. Here's an interview that she did from um, over 20 years ago from the YouTube channel Take to Mark TV, uh, talking about her philosophy in the field of acting. I'm good at belting out things, and I'm good at telling the story with words and voice. So, uh, again, I, 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 uh, I, I love uh, writers. In my next life, maybe I'll be a, lo- a writer. And uh, I like to do their words and make them as real as they were written. So now that uh, this life has, uh, has ended, maybe she can begin the work on her next life as a writer. You know, it's funny. My understand. Look, I don't pretend to have much of a great understanding of Buddhism, but my understanding from watching movies like uh, Kundun and and other uh, very very little study that I've done on this subject is when the Dalai Lama passes, they they believe that um, a baby born soon after the Dalai Lama's passing essentially inherits the Dalai Lama's soul. So who knows? Maybe there was a writer born Saturday or Sunday uh, that captured the soul of Estelle Harris. I certainly hope so. 800-848-WABC if you want to comment on anything we have covered with respect to depression, Estelle Harris, that very interesting theory that maybe the Court of Appeals will kick the can down the road in order to give Andrew Cuomo an opportunity to run, or uh, anything at all. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. In a moment, I'll give you a lesson, a cautionary tale, more precisely, about reading calendars and using a lighter. Straight ahead. WABC. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. Straight to the phones we go. Let me say hello to Henry in Manhattan. Hello, Henry. Hi, good evening. Uh, 
I wanted to know what what you think because I I'm probably uh, somewhat naive about the political sphere in certain ways. Uh, when you say that Cuomo controls the uh, uh, Court of Appeals, are you saying that either uh, he would give somebody on the Court of Appeals, I mean, one of the judges, a, a phone call, or that one, they still, some of the people he appointed uh, feel they they need to be loyal to them, to him? Well, uh, I don't know. I'm not, you know, for all I know, maybe the, maybe they feel no loyalty to Cuomo at all. Uh, but I, if I were to guess, I think it's more likely a, um, a function of implicit rather than explicit influence. But if you look at the judges on the Court of Appeals, one, two, three, four, five, six, six out of the seven judges were appointed by Governor Cuomo. I have to think that's going to be at least a factor in some of their decisions. Uh, well, uh are are you saying that uh, this? Well, I'm not saying is, anything. I'm just raising the question because I I hope and uh, I even expect again maybe naively that uh, once a judge is on the court, uh, he doesn't feel any uh, uh, reason to support the political. Uh, ambitions of the guy who well I, I don't buy that for a second i've seen uh, judge after judge be ju- even more political than the most political of politicians look there's a reason the republicans filed this lawsuit where they did because they wanted a republican judge and they got one and the, the republican judge did his thing and um voted the way or ruled the way that local republican leaders that helped put him on the bench want it. Will these Court of Appeals judges do the same thing? I mean, that all presumes that Andrew Cuomo even wants to run. I believe he does. Paul is in Yonkers. Hello, Paul. Frank, I normally call on another subject. I want to shed some light on Janet DiFiori. She was the Westchester County DA. She originally ran against Tony Castro and myself and two other uh, conservative party uh, retired NYPD detectives uh, helped him with his uh, campaign. And uh, what had happened, she was running as the Republican. Right, she switched she parties. That, right. Yeah, when she realized that the county... Right, so what do you think they do with this gerrymandering suit, Paul? <laughs> well, if it's like you said, it's if it's in a uh, being control being uh, decided by a Republican judge, it's going to go that way. It's these people are bought and paid for by uh, the people that put them in in, in power. Uh, well, again, it's, and thanks, Paul. It's not the it's not a Republican judge that appointed them. It, they're all appointed by Democrats. Six out of the seven, though, were appointed by Andrew Cuomo rather than Kathy Hochul. That's what I'm raising the question of, and. Uh, neither of those folks really necessarily gave me any new insight as to why they thought that would inure to Cuomo's benefit or or not. 800-848-WABC if you want to weigh in. So Friday I had a a very nice treat because uh, one of my closest friends growing up since uh, junior high school, really, my friend Anthony, 
he, like everybody else that I grew up with, moved out of our neighborhood elsewhere. And in his case, he lives in Westchester and he's got he's a father of two. I am the godfather to his oldest daughter, Penelope. And uh, he and I are still very close friends. But unfortunately, the the distance coupled with the logistical limitations of covid and my schedule, we don't get to spend as much time as we used to together. So in any event, he tells me a few days last week or so, he says, look, I am going to be. On uh, Staten Island on April 1st, I'm coming back from my high school reunion. I'd love to see you before and maybe even after. Great. So I make plans with him before his reunion. And then um, I'm mentioning this to my wife. And she said that a friend of hers also went to the same school. And she says, no, I heard about that reunion. I think it's Saturday. So, so he comes in, I tell him this, Rachel tells him this, comes over, wanted to meet the baby, and Rachel says, you know, I think your reunion might be Saturday. So he says, you're kidding me. And then he feverishly starts looking on his phone. He had come back and booked a hotel room for the night, went to the hotel, checked in, changed, came to our house. And then he feverishly checks through his emails and says that, unfortunately, now this is Friday, the reunion that he had come back from Westchester for was indeed on Saturday. So instead of being a, a day late and a dollar short, he was a day early and a dollar short. Now, the big winner in that whole scenario is me because I got to hang out with him for a couple extra hours on Friday and we got to catch up and it was a lot of fun. So we end up going um, to a cigar shop around the corner from me. This was my first time trying to smoke a cigar since I had my throat issues a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and, and I smoked one. It was very good. It was good, and I had no problems. So we go there, and my car is filled with junk. There's books. There's wiffle ball bats. There's softball equipment. There's papers. There's all sorts of stuff. There's radio equipment. My car is overloaded to the gills. There's seating for one person, one person. So I said to my wife before we go, to we went to a bar first, then to a cigar shop, then to a restaurant. I say, honey, can I borrow your 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 car? She's got a, a nice truck that she takes incredibly good care of. She's the opposite of me. She's a clean freak. I am the opposite of that. So. I take her car, which means I take her keys. We go to the cigar shop. I light my cigar, and we have two friends come meet us, my friend Sal, my friend John. And my wife, on her keychain, and this is technically illegal, I believe, but I'm going to go ahead and out her anyway because seeing the condition of New York these days, I don't think anyone, including the mayor, would begrudge her for what I'm about to say. My wife, on her keychain, carries... Pepper spray. Wow, wow, wow. She carries pepper spray in case I'm not with her and she's attacked or something. Or in case maybe I get out of line and she knows where to aim it. So we're in the cigar shop. I'm enjoying my cigar. And I'm looking to the left, talking to Anthony. And uh, John and Sal are sitting to my right. All of a sudden, the two of them 
are coughing. I turn around. I said, what's the matter? What's the matter with you guys? And they're coughing. They're having a difficult time breathing. And I see he's holding Rachel's pepper spray. I said, what are you doing? Did you spray that pepper spray? And John says, yeah. I thought it was a lighter. I was trying to light this cigar. He sprayed pepper spray all over the place. How stupid are you? People start leaving. Then even I had a difficult time breathing because I, it, it narrowly missed my head and my eyes. I mean, you imagine if that got me. It, I saw where it landed. It landed on the wall right next to me. And then I start coughing. And it took a while for that kind of pepper spray aroma uh, to waft out of there. I said, so what, what is that? What are you doing? And... uh he said, I thought it was a lighter. Cautionary tale. Learn from our error. If you think someone's a, something's a lighter, make sure something's a lighter, lest it be pepper spray. That, is, that is the lesson. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Now, it all worked out for Anthony. I mean, he had to do a lot more driving. He had to go back to Westchester, do an egg an Easter egg hunt with his children. I think he had to go to his cousin's birthday party out there, then drive back out to Staten Island, get a second hotel room, went to his reunion, and then I got to see him uh, that night as well. So it was just as well. Uh, I got to see him two nights rather than one. But it was fun to catch up with an old friend, especially one that I, I don't get to see as often as I wish I did. 800-848-9222. Matt's in Hicksville. Hello, Matt. Matt. Yes, hello. Go ahead. Be heard. Yes, hello. Are we on the air? I think so, Matt. Give it a try. All right, Mr. Milano, we're there. I think so. Let's see. I'm waiting for you. You, 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 you put the plug in. Beg your pardon? Thank Mr. you. Frank Milano, how are you? I, I'd be better if you just spoke <laughs> rather than All continue right, well, to try and figure out how I was doing. Listen, I got the radio on. I don't know if I'm, it's like a double edge. I don't, I don't know, but I got, are we on? Are we on? No, we're not. We're not on, Matt. I'm sorry. I never thought that Jay in Cincinnati would be the better caller to go to, but uh, this is one of those instances where he is. I mean, where's E. Frank when you need him? Jay is in Cincinnati. Hello, Jay. Hey, Frank. My, my two older sisters are bummed out. They they retired teachers. They were used to having a gold-plated health care plan, and they're bummed out because they have co-pays now. I said, welcome to my world. And uh, they just get bummed out about that. And, and I understand. You used to get everything paid for, your dental, you name it. Well, but there's a big difference between being bummed out and clinical depression. Right. That, that, that's true, but uh, one of them, her husband died, unfortunately, oh, prematurely, and, and she has a reason to be depressed, but she's overcome most of that. She's done very well for herself, and I help her out as much as I can. Well, that's very uh, nice of you, Jay. Uh, you should always look out for your siblings, I think. Yes. Great. Thanks, great, great. Jay. Appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. 800-848-WABC. It's getting late early, as Yogi would say. It's getting late early. On Twitter as well, at Frank Morano. If you're on Twitter, I do hope you will follow me. I'm trying to become a social media influencer. And uh, I'm on three social media platforms. I'm not really eager to join a third, even though the three that I'm on, I can't stand because of a bunch of issues, including censorship. 
But I don't really want to jo- start with another. And then which one do you join? Is it Rumble? Is it Getter? Is it something else? I'm just not in the mood to start from scratch with another. But you can follow me on Twitter at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. On Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. And even on Instagram at Morano Vision. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Vision. Craig is in Connecticut. Real quick, Craig, go ahead. Yeah, when I was in college in Miami in like 1980, had an apartment in Coral Gables, everybody carried a gun. Okay, so there was a 32 caliber pistol on the dining room table. It was so small it would fit underneath the palm of your hand, and you couldn't even see it. So the kid's over at my house, and he picks it up and puts it up to his cigarette. He thought it was a toy. He thought it was a lighter. Oh, see, now nobody got hurt, I hope. No, but I'm saying I, I grabbed the guy, almost shot himself oh, in the head. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, talk about disaster averted. That's one of the reasons, and thank you, Craig. And look, I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment, but that's one of the reasons that I don't really like having guns around is because you're so so often you hear about accidents like that. Now, in the meantime, are you keeping in mind with what Jay just said? Are you retired? If so, are you ready to unretire? We'll explore it next. In the meantime, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. Coming up in about ninety minutes, I'm going to talk with my friend Dom Crispino. He's been a guest on this show before. He is an ex-attorney and an ex-felon. We're going to get his take on some of the legal issues that uh, some of us may have questions about. We're looking forward to that conversa- conversation. We got commendations coming up at three o'clock, and a whole lot of other tricks up our sleeves for the next couple of hours. Now, millions of Americans retired early. And now they want to work again. Unretirement is the new retirement. Peloton nabbed a retired CEO to lead the company out of Americans' storage closets. Howard Schultz returned to Starbucks. Tom Brady even lasted 40 days in retirement before deciding to return to the NFL, and you remember, those of you that are on social media, the cascade of memes roasting him for doing just that. The, the superstar quarterback, Tom Brady, and deep-pocketed CEOs were just following the crowd after a retirement boom over the last two years. The share of retirees re-entering the workforce has ticked up to levels unseen since March, early March of 2020, according to the Wall Street Journal. And after a brief pandemic recession, housing prices and the value of financial assets soared from spring of 2020 to late summer 2021. Plenty of graying baby boomers whose savings were shaken by the Great Recession 
took advantage. The share of adults, according to Pew Research Center, the share of adults age 55 plus who are retired rose from 48.1% in the third quarter of 2019 to 50.3% in the third quarter of 2021. Listen to this. The share of adults between the age of 65 and 74 who are retired increased from 64% to 66.9% in the same time frame. The St. Louis Federal Reserve estimated that this deluge of pandemic-era retirements meant 2.4 million-plus Americans retired earlier than expected. And not all of them were ready to take up gardening and golf. In February, less than uh, about 3% of retirees started working again. That share has been ticking up from just over 2% at the onset of the pandemic. Now, why? And by the way, if you're one of the people that has made this decision, somebody that was retired and um, you've made the decision to go back to work, I'd be very curious about what factors weighed into your decision. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. What the analysts are saying is that it's a lot of these incentives that are pulling the retirees back. With the NFC depleted of top-shelf quarterbacks, for instance, Tom Brady was itching to get back on the field. Howard Schultz came back because Starbucks was tanking. Similarly, average retirees, not billionaire Starbucks founders or superstar quarterbacks. A lot of average retirees have realized they have newfound opportunities. Thanks to the great resignation, they can work flexibly from home and earn cushy salary packages to supplement their Social Security checks with part-time jobs in sectors like retail. But the federal government is on the verge of making retirement more appealing. The SECURE Act 2.0 would would boost employees' 401k plans. So we'll see what that does. But I am curious if you are somebody that has unretired. Has this happened to you? Why? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. I'm also curious what you think, whatever your job status, what you think this means for the job market overall. I saw a statistic over the weekend. I can't remember where I saw it. You know, you read so much and then it kind of all goes into a a jumble in my brain. But I saw one one, um, statistic that showed that I think that for – there were 1.8 million – and this could be incorrect, but I don't think it is – 1.8 million job openings – while there were 1 million people looking for work. So there are already, it's already an employee's market to some extent because a lot of employers are eager to fill these open positions. So what do you think this means for the job market? 800-848-9222. And to call back to our earlier conversation with Diane from uh, Brooklyn, do you think that this means 
this sudden influx of older workers into the workforce, do you think this means we will see employers less obsessed with youth? How often over the last 30, 40 years have you heard stories of people losing their jobs and being replaced with someone younger? How often have you seen the corporate mentality in boardrooms be all about appealing to young people? And whether it's through social media or something else, getting young people who can do that sort of outreach. How often do we see this worship of youth culture permeate the workplace? I think it's pretty common. It has been. They've written movies about it. They've made uh, all sorts of great works of pop culture about it. And I'm curious if this influx of older workers back into the workplace means that we'll see a little less of that. I certainly hope so. My mother fits into this category. She retired from a job that she had for uh, 29 years, and then she is now working at the Board of Elections, not necessarily because she needs the money. I'm sure she could use the money, but because she didn't really just want to be idle all day, and she liked working. And you know what? She's been a great asset there, one of the best employees they have over there. So I'm curious how many of you fit into this boat and uh, whether you fit into this boat or not, what you think this means for the job market. And if you think this means we'll see employers a little bit less obsessed with youth culture, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. That's, uh, let me say hello. To, that's 1-800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Ralph in New Jersey. Hello, Ralph. Well, what about dividing inflation and its impact on the cost of living right now in this country? Could that be one of the triggers that makes them go back to the workforce? Uh, why don't we you know, explore that scenario, uh, Frankie? Okay? And kudos, uh, shout out. And by the way, before your commendation, I will come in now. The workers at Amazon in Staten Island for finally forming their union in their workplace. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ralph. Uh, I don't want to, you did, you totally stole my thunder. They are on my commendation list, as people can hear an hour from now. Uh, I won't say anything more now, uh, but uh, you will hear more about that an hour from now. 800-848-WABC. That's uh, 800-848-9222. And uh, you can also um, weigh in on this discussion in our Facebook group. Just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters on Facebook. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. Or just join our good old-fashioned Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Morano Fan. Charlie's in Hell's Kitchen. Hello, Charlie. How you doing, Frank? So, listen, uh, yeah, I've been retired. I did my 25 years. I'm thinking about getting What field were you in, by the way, Charlie? What field? Uh, I was a member of the New Jersey DOC. I was a corrections officer. Oh, great, great. I still have my CCP, uh, my concealed carry permit. I'm thinking about getting a security guard job, like a part-time security guard, just just for the extra money. Uh, That's what I'd be thinking about doing. That's the reason I would be, if if I were to go back into the workforce again. 
Well, I imagine you, that you'd have no trouble getting a security guard uh, job with your experience and uh, certainly your ability to stay up late at night. There's always a, a need for security that are willing uh, to work these these odd hours. And usually you can listen to great radio shows like this one while you're working. What? Uh, right. w- why haven't you done it already? Why? why I mean, it sounds like the extra money is potentially appealing for you. Why haven't you done it already? What's caused your hesitation? Well, I just like sitting back. Uh, I just like taking it easy. Uh, my my pension uh, gives me enough of a standard of living that I don't need it. That I'm not that, that that I don't need to go back to work. But but you know the extra money would be nice. Well, sure. Yeah, I mean that that is well. Keep us posted on your decision, Charlie. You are in many respects sort of the um you know the embodiment of what is being discussed in this Wall Street Journal article. Thank you for the call, Charlie, as always. Thank you for your contribution. 800-848-9222. Eight open lines right now. So if you ever dreamed of calling in, now's your opportunity. Hey, you know what's going to get a lot of attention this week, I'm sure, is the decision by Sarah Palin. Obviously, she's in a little bit of a different position than most average workers. But the decision by Sarah Palin to unretire from politics. The former governor of Alaska and John McCain's running mate, she is running for Congress in Alaska for the vacant seat that just opened up when their congressman of 50 years just passed away. It's going to be a very interesting race to watch. As a a political observer, I'm eager to see what happens. One of the things that I think might actually hurt her is this new electoral structure they've just adopted in Alaska. If you're not up on this, there's a very wealthy woman who's trying to bring this system to other states and other cities around the country. But basically what they've done, it's a little weird, to be honest. Everybody run, all the candidates run in one blanket primary, Republican, Democrat, independent, everybody runs on one ballot and who the top four vote getters Top four advance to a second round and then you choose from among those top four. But you don't just choose, you know, based on who has the most votes. They do it through ranked choice voting. Now, the reason I think it's weird and I'm all for nonpartisan elections and I'm all for ranked choice voting. But the reason that I think it's weird is it totally eliminates one of the primary benefits of ranked choice voting. The whole one of the big selling points of ranked choice voting is you don't need a second round of elections here. They're doing a second round of elections. No ranked choice voting in the first, but just in the second. It seems like the kind of thing that would only come about because of the interest of a wealthy dilettante, to be honest. Now, I'm trying to get this woman, I believe her name's Catherine Grell, who's pushed this on this show to talk about this. Because they're talking about bringing this to other cities and other states around the country. But I think it's a little weird. If you want ranked choice voting, just do ranked choice voting. Boom. One round, done. If you want to do top four, do top four. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But um, there are 50 candidates running for this seat. 50 candidates. And in a big field like that, if it were just an old-fashioned election... They call first past the the post or single member district plurality, not to use too many political science terms. Whoever gets the most votes wins. That means if you're the candidate with the most name recognition, like Sarah Palin is, you could probably and she'd been endorsed by uh, President Trump, by the way, as of yesterday. 
uh, the, uh, President Trump breaking that news a few hours ago. But you can win the election with 20, 25 percent of the vote, even if you're kind of a polarizing candidate like Palin. But once it goes to the second round, I think Palin's definitely likely to make the second round of the top four. Once it goes to the second round, then you really do need a consensus of the the majority of voters. You need 50 percent plus one to at least like you a little bit in order to win in that scenario. So she would have been better off under the old system in Alaska rather than this new one. But we'll see what happens. She might still win. 800-848-WABC. Joe is in Ron Konkama. Hello, Joe. How was your weekend? I was just going to ask you the same thing. It was good, quiet. Uh, kids at sports. I would have had lacrosse on that uh, soccer. How was your weekend? Um, you know, it was it was fine. You know, I, I, it was anything but quiet. I, I don't know what I did, but I feel like I did a lot of running around. Yeah, same here. Wait till your uh, call mine gets bigger. I'm cool on two uh, aspects. Uh, one, you were talking about uh, the depression. After losing both my parents, my mom's been gone 16 years, and uh, my dad, this year's going to be five. Uh, doctors have tried, you know, prescribing this and prescribing that because working overnight gives you a lot of time to think, Frank. And uh, that's why I love this program because it keeps my mind. And I right. We keep you the, from uh, thinking on this show. We, we, we make it so you don't have to think. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> uh, the medication that they were giving me would make me tired, groggy. And I just feel like the way it felt. And, um, you know, but like I said, this show keeps me moving every night. And now on the retirement aspect of the side business of my lawns, I don't want to steal um, Ralph from New Jersey's thunder, but uh, the uh, inflation is driving so many people, Frank. I mean, I've had uh-huh. like six people tell me that they can't afford to get their lawns cut because of uh, the, you know, the grocery store. Everything's double gas. And it's forcing a lot of the seniors to go back to work because they're on a fixed income. And it's unfair. You're supposed to be enjoying retirement, and a lot of these people aren't. Another great show, Frank. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate it. Now, I do agree with that. Look, it's a real shame if you've worked 40, 50 years and all of a sudden you you thought you were going to be able to enjoy your retirement and now you're back to work because you're forced to. But I think what we're seeing in many cases is a lot of retirees feel they can still contribute to the workforce they still they have a lot of unique experience that no amount of college degrees can duplicate and they feel they have some stuff to still give back professionally so i think a lot of retirees probably are doing it for the reasons joe and ralph talk about uh financial need but i think a lot of them are doing it either because they're bored or because they're you know, they're attracted to the flexible work hours, the flexible work location, or because they enjoy working. Keeps you sharp. Keeps you sharp. I know a lot of uh, Barry Farber was a very close friend of mine. He was on the radio literally until the day before he died. Day before he died. Honestly, I really think, and I'm planning to do the same thing, I really think the fact that he stayed on the radio. I mean, again, the Barry Farber of 2019 was not the same Barry Farber of 1979 by any means. Sounded a lot different, um, and his voice wasn't as strong as it was 40 years earlier. But his mind was. And I think the act of show prep, 
preparing for interviews, preparing for what he was going to say, the act of writing a column, which he continued to do until shortly before he died. Joe Franklin, same thing. The act of preparing for these radio shows and working, I think it really kept both of them sharp. And both of them were razor sharp until the very end. 800-848-WABC. Alex is in East Stroudsburg. Hello, Alex. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Morning. So, all right. So what I want to say is uh, the company I work for, for I, I'm in trucking. And um, I've reached my rule of 85, which is um, I'm ready for my pension to kick in. I'm not of age yet to receive Social Security, but I am of age to receive my pension. The company overturned the fact that I have to quit my job to receive my pension because they can't get employees really? through the door. Interesting. So now what, the, what they're doing is they're letting us collect our pension and continue to work at the same time. Wow. So that's, a, that's great for you. Oh, absolutely. But, no, it, it, you know, no, it seems like no one wants to work these days. Yeah, it does seem, I mean, look, I cited, cited those statistics for more job openings than there are people looking for work. I mean, it does seem there's a, there's a problem, there's, a, there's a, a hiring problem in the country at the moment, Alex. Well, look, good. I'm glad it worked to your benefit. Thank you, Frank. You have a good night. Thank you. You too. 800-848-WABC. Now, the real reason we do this show is not to entertain you or to add and improve upon our already substantial ratings, it's to give my friend and colleague, Curtis Lewa, something to talk about over the weekend. And this weekend, we delivered in, in spades. I will explain next. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Ricochet, 
This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, this is Titanium by David Guetta and Sia. If you ever want to know what music we're playing, uh, we post it every morning in the Facebook group. Just uh, join at uh, facebook.com slash groups slash Radio Morano. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Radio M-O-R-A-N-O. And uh, we would love for you to make comments about the show on there. If there are thoughts, questions, so forth that you have about the show, things you like, things you don't like, post it in there, and then maybe, um, you know, that'll encourage other people to participate in the in the uh, conversation as well. 800-848-9222. You want to comment on anything we're talking about? Steve is in Lido Beach. Hello, Steve. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, I, uh, I'm i going to tell you regarding what happened with me. I worked with the city of New York for 20 years, and then... Uh, when I retired, after one week, I got a little restless. So I got a job with New York Racing, and I ended up staying there 36 years. Uh, I was into my 80s. And then they gave me a buyout, uh, a very good buyout, and then I packed it in. But I really uh, enjoyed it. Nice. Well, so you must have retired from your first job pretty young. Yes. Uh, let's, uh, let's see. I came uh, 28, 38, well, about 48. Uh, All right. So, I mean, I think I, you did what I would do. I was, with the, I was with the police department. Right, I figured. I, I figured. That's one of the few jobs where you could still retire. And I, and I really, uh, then when I got the job there, you know, it was uh, with uh, security and uh, investigations. And then I got to know the the racing stewards at the track because any time there was a problem, at the track, I would, I, I, my post was in that general area. So, Steve, what do you so, make of this trend here of more retirees coming back to work? What do you think it's all about? I, I, I really don't know. I thought I would really. Um, I live in a nice area. I live on here on the beach in Lido and all that. Very nice. In this, Very in nice. this condo that I reside in and. Uh, Sure. No, I've been to Lido Beach uh, many I times. Got, uh, I, nice. But I really like the job at the track, believe it or not. I, no, oh, I believe I it. I believe it, Steve. Steve, thank you. Appreciate it. Tom's in Bergen Beach. Hello, Tom. Good morning, Frank. Uh, anyone looking for a good machine gunner? I'm a retired Army sergeant. I'm disabled and dipping into my retirement funds because it's tough to survive on my retirement and my measly disability benefits alone. Inflation is kicking me in the you-know-what, and... uh I'm not at the point where I have to uh, choose between cat food and tuna, but things are getting more and more expensive, and and hope this trend either um, slows or even better reverses. You know. Well, by it, the seems, way, it seems like there, if you're willing, especially to consider careers other than machine gunner, it seems like there's a tremendous amount of job openings right now, and employers are more flexible than ever in terms of giving you different things to do. But uh, you want to give your, your your email or something in case people want to reach out to you if they do need a machine gunner? Sure. G-H-O-M-S-D-I-L-L-O-N-3-2-2 at gmail.com. So Thomas, Thomas B. Good. Without the A. Thomas Dillon without the A. 
at gmail.com. 322. 322. 322 at gmail.com. Best of luck. Really enjoy the playful bands that you and Curtis have. Keep it up. Theater of the Mind is accelerating. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate that. Hey, speaking of Curtis and Theater of the Mind, you know, one of the people that has started calling this show recently who, for the most part, I find kind of annoying is Chris in the Catskills because he's so rarely off topic. I mean, I mean, on topic. Almost every call that he makes to this show is all about him. Now, one of the few criticisms I get about this show is that I talk too much about what's going on in my life. Now, presumably, if you listen to me for 20 hours a week, you're at least a little interested in what's going on in my life. Who in the heck that listens to the show is interested in what goes on in the life of Chris from the Catskills? So each time that he's called, he's trying to talk about these obscure Political figures upstate. Now, if you're listening in Virginia or Florida or North Carolina or Arizona or up or, or even upstate, do you, do you care at all about what he's saying? Plus, it's such a it's such a dovetail to the it's such a nosedive to the conversation. I mean, when he calls, he's a bigger buzzkill than Buzz Killington. Now. He called Curtis over the weekend. Now, the thing you got to understand about Curtis, and I love Curtis, and I'm a fan of Curtis, and Curtis is a very close friend. But the thing that you got to understand about Curtis is he's got six hours to fill on Saturday and Sunday night, or, or Saturday and Sunday morning alone, plus the show he does Sunday night, plus the show he does Saturday afternoon, plus the show he does Sunday afternoon. So the Saturday afternoon show, the Sunday afternoon show, he really prepares very heavily for. The Sunday night show, he prepares very heavily for. But for the other 12 hours of overnight, most of his show is just based on what's on this show, which is great, which is great because we do some pretty interesting things on this show. But he's happy to have a caller go on for 10, 20 minutes because then that's less content that he has to come up with. So such was the case with Chris from the Catskills. He called Curtis on Saturday morning. And again, keep in mind, Curtis is only too happy to go on and let the callers go on forever because then that's less content that he has to come up with. But Chris from the Catskills, listen to this schlemiel and what he has to say about me. And now each time that he's called into this show with his non sequiturs, with his off-topic rants, with his ain't I great uh, stories of running for state assembly a bunch of times. Each time, I've been unfailingly polite to him. But now I am putting him to the back of the bus. I am doing a reverse Rosa Parks to Chris from the Catskills. He will now be the last available caller that I always go to. Because listen to this, this this conversation that he had with Curtis and this shot that he took at me over the weekend. I uh, called into Frank Morano's program after the Will Smith incident, and I started off my conversation by uh, bringing up a hypothetical. I brought up how you're doing all the ribbing at the radio station and how in response, if he had come up to you like Will Smith, and then I kind of chuckled and moved on to the next point. But what was his response, though, Chris? Uh, I was talking pretty quick, but 
But I'll tell you, though, Curtis, uh, comparing and contrasting the two, your program is much better. Uh, Theater of the Mind, you carry airtime by yourself. You treat your listeners like you're treating me like I'm one of your co-hosts from the past, like let's say Ron Kuby when I'm on, okay? Frank Morano doesn't do that with his callers. And he tried to put words in my mouth, and I didn't let him do it. And uh, that kind of ended the phone call. But it was a good call. Wow, but let me tell you something. If you were Ron Kuby, I'd do a Will Smith on you. <laughs> I'll tell you, Curtis, though, you and Ron on the air were great, but I think you're 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 great alone. And, and you know, the program directors are brilliant for having you teamed up uh, with two different uh, Democratic uh, co-hosts with uh, Anthony Weiner and Chris Hahn because it's made both of them step up their game. I noticed Chris Hahn sounded a lot better on the air, was bringing more to the table after the secondary show with Anthony Weiner started up. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I'm so used to being a masochist uh, and being teamed with people who are on the left that I'm so used to it uh, that I understand that because uh, our station tends to give voices predominantly to conservatives, that you have to allow the liberal to develop or they're just going to be shouted down in this format or they're going to think they have to shout down the callers. And that makes for very uninteresting radio, Chris. Well, when you and Ron were teamed up together, I, I just I was driving with my mom back from a doctor's appointment. And when it, you guys were talking about the good to go app, when we were driving back from a dental appointment in Fishkill back upstate and and, man, my mother and I were laughing so hard uh, with the two of you on. But, you know, Ron, he argues with people when he's in the courtroom. And, you know, uh, that's what he's used to doing. So after a while, you know, the, the him wanting to argue with all, all the time. But you guys were great on the air together. I will give you that as a team. And, and Ron, wasn't, Ron was pretty decent on his own program. Now, uh, I certainly agree with um, his analysis of the Curtis and Kuby show and Ron Solo show. A couple of things. When this this buffoon said, now, I can understand why this guy's run for office 100 times and never gotten elected. Who would vote for somebody like that? Now, when this buffoon says that I tried to put words in my mouth, that uh, I tried to put words in his mouth and he wouldn't let me do it, what I was trying to do with him, which I do with any caller, is give him... In whatever um, verbal diarrhea he was spewing about that was nowhere close to being on topic, I tried to ask him, well, are you trying to say this, Chris? Because I tried to give him a little bit of credit. Maybe he is trying to address the topic that we're talking about. And he says, no, no, I'm not trying to do it. Yeah, I ended the call because you were talking about something Totally irrelevant to what we were talking about on this show. You know why? Because you're an idiot. And that's why the people of the Catskills have never elected you to anything. And I will guarantee you, as long as I'm alive and as long as you're alive, Chris, you will never be elected to anything. And you know what? That reinforces and reinstills my confidence in the common wisdom of the people of the state of New York. It really does. Because, hey, look. We may be foolish enough to elect Governor Cuomo three times, but at least we weren't foolish enough to elect Chris from the Catskills. Now, you want to talk about theater in the mind of the mind. Chris, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. Additionally, 
that caller and the caller that came after uh, Chris both had uh, uh, some negative comments about Ron Kuby. Now, Ron Kuby was scheduled to be a guest on this show on Wednesday. And Ron emailed Saturday, uh, Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon, whatever. Saturday afternoon it was. And he says, eh, let's skip Wednesday. I just remembered how awful and stupid it is after listening to the cuts. Maybe next year. Thanks, Ron. So I had a big, long conversation with Ron. What we were going to do on the radio. But your stupidity is not only inaccurate and insulting, but you have now cost the tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, of people listening to this show on a regular basis, the opportunity of hearing the wit and wisdom of Ron Kuby on Wednesday. So I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy. What a mama Luke. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Charles is in Queens. Hello, Charles. Yes, hi. Great show Thank as you. usual. Um, first, I want to make a, before I, I want to ask you a question about Iran, but first I want to make a comment regarding the topic you're talking about, about retired people reentering the workforce. Uh, this is not a, this doesn't, I'm 73 years old, but this doesn't necessarily apply to me. I personally feel that a lot of people reentered the workforce because I think it was, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Stephen or Stephen Leacock that said, you know, famously said many years ago, the young child thinks, oh, when I'll be an adult, when I'll be an adult, oh, when I get married, when I get married, when I'll have children, when I'll have grandchildren, when I'll retire. Then when they retire, it, it, it isn't what they thought it was going to be. All of a sudden, they see life traverse. Ah. They didn't live in every second issue and every second. And they just, it's not, it's not what I thought it was going to be because nature abhors a vacuum. And when you have nothing to do or not much to do, you think negative thoughts, not positive, negative, automatically. And you start thinking, did I do enough with my life? Uh, why is my grandson in jail? I don't know, whatever you might be, you know, all different type of negative thoughts. It's not what you thought it was going to be. So you want to re-enter the workforce because you are happy there. And maybe you tell yourself, even if you don't need the money, that you need the money because you, you want to go there. You were happier when you were busy, you know, with, with your mind uh, having to do work, right. and having to finish quickly, no time for negative thoughts. I think that's a big factor. I'm not saying it's all of it. But I think it, it 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 accounts for a lot, in my opinion. Uh, well, I would uh, I would agree with you, Charles. I think that's very astute, and that's a point that um, that I didn't raise, which is that uh, a lot of folks think uh, retirement is going to be a bed of roses, and then uh, they see, well, look, it's maybe not as fun, not as intellectually stimulated as working was, and maybe there's a. a I think that the, the falling short of the expectations people have of retirement, I'm sure, does play a role. What was your question about the Iran, though? What everybody ran is that I'm well aware uh, the uh, not only the brain of Joe Biden today, I understand he's old, that's sad, uh, but even in the past, uh, Gates uh, famously said he had worked for eight presidents, Republicans and Democrats, and he never saw, he never, <laughs> Joe Biden make a, um, a, a decision his opinion on a, on a foreign policy that was ever right, ever correct. But this one about Iran seems to me so illogical. What is he waiting for? In other words, you're supposed to read, uh, you know, famously we know that um, President uh, Tr- Donald Trump undid the 2015 uh, JCPOA called the, the Iran deal or whatever. Uh, 
because the sun said they were going to have a bomb soon. I mean, they'll be allowed to have a bomb soon. So now I say undid it, and he was allowed to undo it. People don't know that. Most people, many people don't, because it was only a, a, an executive order. Uh, Obama, President Obama, did not give it to the Senate and Cong- and and the uh, House because it never would have passed. Right. Well, so, it just the Senate. If it was a treaty, just the Senate has to pass it, not the House. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I stand corrected. But the point is, I think two thirds of the Senate would have had to. Uh, okay. Correct. Um, no, for a treaty, I think you just need a simple majority. Oh, okay. And even that wouldn't have gone through, apparently. Or at least oh, no, actually, you're right. I stand corrected. Uh, yes, you are right. Uh, two-thirds vote for the U.S. Senate. You're exactly right. I think it's 51. Yep, you're exactly back. right. Anyways, so he was allowed to undo it. Now, what are we doing? We're giving um, Iran $150 or $200 billion to do what? We know that the number one state... Uh, a terrorist state in the world. Terrorist state. <laughs> it's like back of the mind. All they do is cause havoc. So we're giving them, I understand, it's mostly their money that we withheld and so on. What's the difference? Havoc. So Israel is going to have to attack. Not will. We'll have to. There's no question about it. I don't care who's prime minister. I don't care if Shimon Peres, who was left-leaning, was alive and he was prime minister. He would have to attack and cause World War Three. Okay, is that what he wants? I, I don't understand. I, I know he makes wrong decisions, but maybe somebody can explain to me logically how this makes sense whatsoever, other than um, America's an- enemies is people we have to work with, like all of a sudden Venezuela and begging, begging them to sell us oil, Iran to sell us oil. We even made the deal that, that Russia, while they're doing what they're doing in Ukraine, I don't have to explain what that means, at the same time, them, they're finishing up the deal and they're going to be building some sort of a nuclear or something or other for peaceful purposes of course Iran wouldn't do anything bad of course not so what's is it like a joke am I living in a I don't know it doesn't make sense at all I mean it's not explainable but I know there's the same people that worked under all of them uh Mali and uh Wendy Sherman and uh all of them, all of them, Blinken and uh, what's the guy, um, Jake Sullivan, they all did deal with Iran, and now they're bolstering it up. All right, well, so thank, we thank, you. thank you, Charles. Thank you. I tried to get you to finish his point there, but uh, I'm not sure there was ever an ending to that. But um, I'll just say, with respect to, um, look, the Iran nuclear deal is pretty, is pretty, you know, all of the Middle East is pretty complicated. It's very difficult, with the exception of, Israel, maybe. Uh, it's very difficult to find good guys in the Middle East. Now, um, we have a lot of dealings with Saudi Arabia. I think the interviews that we've done on this program have illustrated the pivotal role that the Saudi royal family played in the September 11th attacks. As far as Robert Gates goes, and I've had that that quote about Joe Biden thrown on the radio and on television many times over the last eight years. Robert Gates has been wrong about almost everything. Now, he, as Secretary of Defense in two different administrations, he played a role in supervising the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. They didn't go well. He did not do a good job there, in my view. He's been, he's one of these, you know, it's funny, when you're an insider You can be wrong and wrong and fail and fail, 
And as long as you still are a card-carrying member of the Insiders Club, you just get promoted, get another job. Robert McNamara, you remember what his punishment for screwing up the Vietnam War was? He had appointed the head of the World Bank. Now, in the case of Robert Gates, the biggest thing that he ever did wrong, and we're still dealing with the repercussions of this kind of advice to this day, 40 years later. Back in 1985, when Gorbachev took over as the general secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, the United States faced a real big dilemma. So a lot of you will remember this. Gorbachev professed to be a reformer. Now, the question was, should the U.S. work with him to reduce nuclear weapons? Answer, yes! And ease the U.S.-Soviet proxy battles that were at that point directly responsible for a number of deadly conflicts around the world and maybe, just maybe, try to end the Cold War? Yes! This wasn't just a major difficult question. It would turn out to be one of the most important U.S. foreign policy decisions in decades. Now, President Reagan eventually made the right decision. You know what he said? Because he has a brain? Yes! He was persuaded by, among others, Margaret Thatcher, who famously said that Gorbachev was a man the West could do business with. But Reagan had to overcome the fierce opposition of a top CIA Kremlinologist and the eventual CIA director named Robert Gates, who maintained for years that Gorbachev was no reformer, that he was not to be trusted, and that Reagan would be walking into a Soviet ploy. Now, we saw what happened. Gates was wrong. Reagan, Thatcher were right. And uh, so to me, Robert Gates, when he says this person's wrong, this person's right, in my view, Gates has very little credibility. Um, well, you, can, you know what? We have Chris from the Catskills on the line, but my new policy is we're now taking his call last under every circumstance. So my issue is he's the only person on the line right now. So... If anyone else wants to call 800-848-9222, we will go to you first. I'm sure, you know, Chris can use that time to prepare for a show that he likes a bit more and calling into that show. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. I mean, we'll take anyone. You want to leave your radio on during the call? By all means, do it. You want to say, go Buchanan, go Buchanan, go? By all means, do it. You want to meander for... um you know, uh, 40 minutes about uh, Mike Pence in a monotone voice on a bad phone line like E. Frank, go for it. Uh, 800-848-9222. We'll take anyone, and I mean anyone. W-A-B-C. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 W-A-B-C. Go away from my window Leave at your own chosen speed I'm not the one you want, babe I'm not the one you need 
You say you're looking for someone who's never weak, but always strong. To Johnny Cash and June Carter, it ain't me, babe. Oh, uh, I tell you, it's always a good week when you could start the week off with a little Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash. Am I right? All right, 800-848-WABC. Um, we have turned this into the anyone but Chris hour. Uh, we are going to take calls from – we will get to Chris when there's no one else left. In the meantime, we will take calls from anyone. Anyone? Anyone? Absolutely anyone. 800-848-9222. Leah in northern New Jersey, welcome to the Anyone But Chris Hour. Yeah, I was just wondering, uh, Frank, uh, since you know everything, are you aware that Saudi Arabia – Refuses to join the Abraham Accords because of uh, what Biden Biden wants to uh, support Iran. I am aware of that. Yes. Uh huh. Thank you for pointing that out, Ray and Raritan. Hello, Ray. Yeah. Can you hear me, all right, Frank? I got my headphones. Yes. On. I'm at work. I hear okay. you. Uh, what I wanted to talk about is I heard the mayor he's making the little kids still wear the mask. Oh, and I mean it's just I crazy. It's just crazy. I don't get it. You know, he had an easy out on this one and I thought he was going to go for it. A judge that I know uh on Staten Island threw out the mask mandate last week for um children under the age of 5 and Adams not only appealed the decision, he went and got a stay. To b- block the judge's order from going into effect, it makes no sense. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, and and if you look at COVID hospitalization, it's low. It's it's lower now than it's been in years, especially among little children. Uh, why is he doing this? Because it's so damaging to the little kids. They don't need to be running around. Right. With and how? And how? You're exactly right. Uh, now I have no idea why he's doing it. The only reason, uh, and this is going to strike some people as odd. Here's the only reason that I think he's doing it, Ray. The only reason yeah. I think he's doing it is because a judge told him he couldn't. And for w- one of the things that I've noticed with Eric Adams is he seems to be a guy that doesn't like to be told what to do. He doesn't seem um, like yeah. he wants to be perceived as being controlled by anybody but him. He seems to be he like he seems to like to be the guy that's the straw that stirs the drink. And I, I, I almost fi- feel like he's doing this just out of spite. It's not based on the he's science. A, he's a total he's a total fraud. This guy. I mean, I don't I don't know what the New York voters are thinking about. But before you go, I wanted to say I talked to you before about Forlini's and uh, that I used to go there as a kid. I'm almost 60 years old. Back in the 70s, my dad used to take me there. And I always remembered I loved the veal pizzaiola there. And my dad, he's 86, and uh, he just got the news. And he's so disappointed with that, even though he doesn't hasn't been to New York in Ray, a while. Ray, it's so sad. It's so but... sad. I'm heartbroken over this. And I'm, I'm great. Why they're... Sorry. Do you know why they closed? Do you I, know why they closed? You know, I think uh, Joe and Derek Forlini, I, I haven't spoken to them, but I think it's I think they're just tired of it and I don't think the next generation yeah. of the family necessarily wanted to do it. So they had an opportunity to sell the building probably for a few million and they figure, "All right, well, let's take the money and enjoy retirement." But I don't know. I'm going to try and reach out to them again today. Uh broke my heart. Broke my heart. Madeline is in Brooklyn. Hello, Madeline. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Morning. 
Hi. Um, I've been listening to you since the corona time, oh. and you are so awesome. You do a good job. I love listening to you. And uh, what I want to say to you, you don't have to worry because this big world, we cannot please everybody. But I want you to know you do a good job. Awesome. Thank you, Madeline. That's very kind of you. I appreciate your patronage, and I appreciate you calling. I still want to please everybody, though. Everybody that is except Chris. Uh, we, meantime, uh, we're taking calls from anybody except Chris in the Catskills. Anyone? 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 That anyone includes Ted and Union. Hello, Ted. Hey, Frank. How you doing? Good evening. Um, or good morning, actually. Morning. I, I, want, I want you to look in your crystal ball, and I want you to tell me how you think this Russia-Ukrainian war is going to play out. Okay, well, a great question. And I think a lot of it depends on what the United States does. If the United States chooses to play a mediating role like Israel is doing, then um, I think we can save a lot of lives lost. We know the ending of this war, Ted. In my view, it's clear that this war ends with Crimea being part of Russia, which they already were basically for the last eight years, the two Donbass republics being independent, and Ukraine not being a part of NATO. We know that's where we're going. We know that's how it's going to end. Now, the question is, do we still have thousands of people die on both sides and hundreds of thousands more people lose their home, or do we get there now through a negotiated settlement? Uh, I think you could tell by the way I frame the question that you know my preference. Uh, So that's how I see it going, Ted. All right. Thanks. Hey, listen, have a good evening. I enjoy listening to your program. Thank very, you. Very nice to say that, Ted. Thank you. Let me say hello to, is this Patricia in New York? Yes. Hello. How Hi. are you? I'm I'm hanging in there, Patricia. Thank you. Oh, I know. I know. I looked up in the sky tonight and saw the little sliver of a moon and said, oh, Dr. Sky. <laughs> <laughs> he called it. You want to talk about accurate predictions? He did predict today's moon. That's true. And it was just that little sliver, except there was a lot of clouds around, so you couldn't see anything else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a nice-looking uh, a nice looking moon, though, isn't it? Little of that it is. Yes, it, yes, it was. Well, thank and you, I Patricia. I enjoy Dr. Sky and I, the rest of the show. Well, you're very kind. I do, too. I think he's great. I can't wait to get him back. I uh, appreciate that. Nate is in Rockland. Hello, Nate. Hey, Frank. Great show. I just discovered you a couple months ago, and ever since then, I can't wake up in the morning. Oh, well, that's very um, nice was, of you. I appreciate it. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. Um, I was talking about unretirement. I heard one caller calling up, and he was saying how people think everything's going to be all great when they retire, and then they realize it's not that great, and they come back in. I was just wondering that, like, it has nothing to do with now. Like, why why, why is the uptick now? People yeah, been uh, for and I, I, that's a great question, Nate. I think um, part of it is economic. I think the guys that called about inflation were on to something. I think part of it is the fact that employers are willing to let a lot of workers work from home, which is not something they were necessarily willing to do in the past. And uh, I think those are all that's all part of it, quite frankly. Um, 800-848-9222. Leo is in Manhattan. Hello, Leo. Good morning, Frank. Uh, I have such a crazy theory, if you let me hear me uh, out. Uh, Leo, let me put you on hold, because I don't want to rush you. We're just about out of time, and we'll take you after the top of the hour. Hey, who's up? Who's down? I'll tell you who deserves a pat on the back. Spoiler alert. Christian the Catskills, not among them. 
This is the other side of midnight. Until next hour, commendations coming up in just a few minutes. Keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Tomorrow, everyone, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. We're doing, uh, we're going to do commendations in just a moment, but a bunch of you have been kind enough to call in uh, to allow me to uh, force Chris to wait in the back of the line like a post-amnesty illegal immigrant. But, uh, so let me get to you, 800-848-9222, and then we'll do commendations. We will take Chris. Um, Leo's in Manhattan. Hello, Leo. Good morning, Frank. Uh, I just wanted to say I'm glad it's actually the Curtis Leva show separated with the name from yours. If you think about it, Phonetically, you throw the no at him because other and another side of midnight, the difference phonetically is just the no. He was for two months bitching and whining and crying on every single show. I don't get credit for all these ratings. I have 10 hours over the weekend. Finally, you separated yourself, so the rating is still play about you. Your star is starting shining more than his. He reached the climax in his career, and he's slowly getting in the sunset, and he's just jealous. Well, Have a nice uh, morning. Thank you, Leo. Um, Curtis does do very well in the ratings uh, on the overnight show on the weekend. He does great, actually. Uh, but I don't know why he feels the need to try and claim credit for what we're doing. 800-848-9222. Corey's in Brooklyn. Hello, Corey. Hello, Frank. Uh, I was just wondering... Uh, Back during them, uh, I wanted to be a fireman, but, of course, I wasn't born yet. So I was born in 83. Uh, so, But I learned that I, the, the size of a door frame uh, contributes to the building's structure. I was wondering, when you moved to your new studios, if you had to make the uh, door frames and elevator openings larger to accommodate Sid Rosenberg's head. <laughs> Not bad, Corey. Not bad. Even Sid would laugh at that. Harvey is in Amsterdam. Hello, Harvey. Yeah, good morning, Frank. I'd like to tell you that uh, um, you have a great show and uh, Marshall talk on the baby. and. Um, well, uh, talking about daylight savings time, I, I just moved here actually from Phoenix, Arizona, and um, we never had that. But here, I have to take medicine at a certain time, and it winds up that, you know, I have to change every time. So it's kind of confusing now. Not confusing, but um, acidine, I guess. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, by the way, just out of curiosity, Harvey, what made you move yeah. from Arizona to Amsterdam? My daughter and son. It had nothing to do I, with I, wanting I was, to do drugs legally or anything. No, <laughs> no. Actually, I was um, I was a New York City uh, uh, bus driver, and and uh, I retired and went to Arizona. Then um, 
things happen, and uh, I'm back here again in New York. What can I tell you? Oh, I thought you were in Amsterdam. Oh, uh, yeah, well, New Amsterdam, New York. Oh, oh, I thought you meant the country oh, of Amsterdam. Oh, you thought it was in Amsterdam, Holland. I, 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 well, I did indeed. Well, uh, so, so be it. Well, um, well, I think Holland is the uh, is the Netherlands, right? That's there. Amsterdam is the capital of of the Netherlands, right? So, thank you, Harvey. But if you do not let us have this table, I am going in and tell my friend Harvey. Harvey. Oh, Harvey! You're going to tell your friend Harvey. Harvey! He's going to tell Harvey. And a nice name. I like that. a nice name. That's Harvey. a nice name, Harvey. I don't care if you tell Harvey. Go ahead and tell him. Got me mighty scared. I'm shaking a dead. Al is in Fort Lauderdale. Hello, Al. Hello, Frank. I just was a little bit uh, interested in the way you feel about Robert Gates. Uh, George W. Bush and Obama didn't feel the same way that uh, he was a distrustful person. Well, I don't and think you, he's uh, distrustful. I think I don't. In, in that, I don't think he's dishonest. I think he's just wrong. Um, and as a general rule, if George Bush and Barack Obama believe something about an issue or someone, generally, not always, but generally, I believe the exact opposite. Well, evidently, because look at how long Gorbachev was uh, in charge in Russia. Boris Yeltsin uh, took over, and it wasn't because people trusted the, uh, Gorbachev. Yeah, well, I, again, I mean, I, I think you're comparing apples and oranges. Uh, uh, Boris Yeltsin was the leader of just Russia. Um, you know, Gorbachev was the leader of the entire USSR. And, you know, just because a lot of folks in Russia who might have had varying feelings about the fall of the Iron Curtain didn't think that Gorbachev was the right man to be president – it doesn't mean that he wasn't good for America. I think Gorbachev, through perestroika, was very good for America. And with nuclear disarmament alone, even putting aside perestroika. Do you not agree with that, Al? Well, I think I would agree with that. But I would uh, I would say that uh, Robert Gates was uh, uh, a very good uh, representative in the right. government. Well, uh, one la- one, can sir, I say one last thing? Please, thing? go ahead. See anyone but Chris um, Howard. Uh, <laughs> Russell Bentley, this guy that you interviewed several weeks ago in uh, one of the uh, Ukrainian right, Donetsk, yes. separatist uh, yes, Donetsk. provinces, mm-hmm. that was a very disturbing interview. And uh, that person, I sure as hell hope, being an ex-American, that's the way he'll be if he isn't buried by now. All right. Thank you, Al. Al Al's disturbed. Uh, Neil in Staten Island first. Let me thank you for the very kind uh, gift you sent young Carmine. Uh, why don't you tell people uh, what it was? My wife and I got quite a kick out of that over the weekend. Well, I know uh, you have a uh, religious, uh, I think it's your sister-in-law. Who's That's Orthodox. right. Yes, my sister-in-law, Deborah, Orthodox Jewish. Yes. So, well, Passover is coming up, and I didn't want little Carmine to be left out uh, a bunch, you know, all the heathens there. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so I got him a, a bird. <laughs> yeah, it was very nice. Very nice. Thank yeah. you. I got him a bird that says my little matzo ball on there. 
And uh, I, I hope I listen. If he doesn't like matzo balls, call me over because that's my vice: matzo balls and stuffed cabbage. <laughs> so I can knock them off in, in a second. We'll, we'll teach him how to eat them if he likes. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'll reach out to you to schedule that. <laughs> listen, yeah. What I, what I want to call that is, is violence in the city. I mean, it has just gotten out of hand. I saw the news tonight: the poor woman in the Bronx, three young animals. Grabbed her by the hair, threw her to the ground, broke her hip to, to rob her of a few dollars. This poor Sikh guy in Queens, the guy comes up behind him and, and, and cold cocks him and knocks the heck out of him. I mean, it, it's come to a point where it's, these people, when they're caught, they'll never see a judge. They get a desk appearance ticket. They got multiple, multiple uh, uh, tickets. And they never get, they, they don't get to the first offense, forget about the 30th offense, but the 30th ticket they got. So it has to come to a point. I don't know if it may be martial law, but the mayor isn't doing it. Well, again, I'm willing to cut him a little slack on this one and give him a little bit more time. Uh, Again, a lot of the – again, no mayor is a dictator. Unfortunately, we've seen four out of the five DAs, at least three out of the five DAs, be incredibly uncooperative on this. And the state legislature so far has been uncooperative. I like some of what Mayor Adams is trying to do, and uh, I hope he's able to do more. Uh, You're right. It's very disturbing. I saw both of those stories. And thank you, Neil. And on the one hand, I was happy for my friend Arthur Idala because if if these people have money, they can hire him as an attorney and he can get maybe uh, another wing put on his house in the Hamptons. But on the other hand, it's just horrible the fact that people are just going about their day and they're being brutally attacked. And uh, there's no excuse for that. No excuse for that at all. Um, all right. Well, those of you that are holding, we will get to you. But without further ado, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents Commendations. I have to give a commendation to Burger King and Chick-fil-A. Um they have made the decision, and along with Tim Hortons and Popeyes, to phase out PFAS. I can't even pronounce, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this chemical. These uh, polyfluoroalkyl substances. All right, I, I think that is how it's pronounced. Commonly known as PFAs or forever, forever chemicals. These are present in food packaging for the major fast food and grocery chains. And Consumer Reports tested 118 food packaging products. Big shout out to my friend Brian Goldstein, who works for Consumer Reports. I don't think he had anything to do with this. He works in the video production department. But shout out to you anyway, Brian. You're a great guy. Uh, Much better than Chris in the Catskills. And Consumer Reports tested 118 food packaging products including bags for French fries and molded fiber bowls for sale. The researchers found that PFAs in some packaging from every retailer included in the study, even the ones that promote healthier practices such as Trader Joe's and Cava. Nearly a third of the products were found to have high levels of PFAs. In some instances, the researchers detected PFAs in companies' food packaging even after they had promised to phase them out. So I say good for you, Chick-fil-A, good for you, Burger King, Good for you, Tim Hortons. I hope this is a real phase out. I hope we do away with this. Not only is this, I mean, I don't eat fast food, but a lot of people do. Not only is this horrible for you, you don't want to be putting these chemicals into your body. It's horrible for the environment. 
It gets it goes into a uh, landfill somewhere. In some instances, it can take very long time for this stuff to biodegrade ever. And then ultimately, it's going to end up in the water. I want to give a commendation to Mark Vandehei. I mentioned Mark Vandehei with Dr. Sky the other day, but this bears repeating, and it's certainly somebody... If this guy's not worthy about a commendation, then I don't know who is. This is a NASA astronaut who has come home to Houston after a record-setting 355-day space mission. He touched down on Earth last week in Kazakhstan... And he's finally home. He lived in space for 355 consecutive days, setting a new record for the longest single space flight by an American astronaut. Um, That is really impressive. You imagine not only the physical stamina necessary there, but the mental stamina necessary. That is really, really impressive. I want to give accommodation to Jack Dungara. He is a supercomputer expert who has won a million dollars for the as part of the Nobel Prize of Computing. He is a real pioneer in the development of supercomputers, and he's won this year's Turing Award, Computer Science's equivalent of the Nobel Prize. He's a professor at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville and a researcher at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. He'll receive the award and the million-dollar check that accompanies it. The 71-year-old Dungara has made numerous contributions to the fields of supercomputing, including helping to establish the benchmark against which the world's supercomputers are most commonly ranked. Before the benchmark came into existence in 1993, different manufacturers made competing claims about their computers that were difficult for scientists to judge. This benchmark makes it possible for an apples-to-apples comparison. I love that he's 71 and won this. I love story. The older I get, I'm always looking for stories of people who accomplish groundbreaking things later in life. Now, Estelle Harris, she didn't really break into non-commercial acting until she was in her late 40s. Diamond Dallas Page, he didn't have his pro wrestling debut until he was 35. Bob Grant's heyday wasn't until really his 50s. So the older I get, I love to see people doing well uh, later in life. It makes me so happy. Guys like Regis, for instance, who achieved a lot of success later in life, makes me so happy. Uh, I really have to give a sincere combination to Louis Soljevic, the hero owner of Louis Pizzeria and Restaurant in Queens. He and his father were stabbed repeatedly after they jumped in to stop a 61-year-old woman from being robbed outside their Queen's restaurant. Now, it's sad that this is now commonplace in neighborhoods like Elmhurst, which used to be pretty good neighborhoods. But Louis Soljevic, a 38-year-old military veteran, was working behind the counter of his pizzeria when he and his father saw the elderly woman being robbed by two men Saturday night, not two days ago, but the previous Saturday. Without hesitation, he and his 68-year-old father jumped in to help, but ended up being stabbed and struck with an unidentified object. The father was stabbed nine times, and both he and his son suffered punctured lungs. The woman was also stabbed by one of the assailants, 
noticing a knife wound to her back after the robbery. So uh, it looks like they're both going to be okay, but this could they could have died but for protecting a stranger. I say more power to you. Good for them. And like any, I'm going to try this pizzeria next time I'm in Elmhurst. And like any good Italian place these days, it's owned by Albanians. So you know it's got to be good. I want to give a commendation to the Avocado, a 30-year research project. Has some great results for those of you that like avocado, which I I don't like avocado. I love avocado. If Rachel ever throws me out and they change a couple more laws in the state of New York or the Supreme Court finds a creative interpretation of the 14th Amendment, my next wife will be an avocado. I love avocado. There's so many things you could do with them. But this 30-year research project noted that the fruit could have a similar effect as olive oil or nuts, but it does have a high cost for the environment, unfortunately. Even eating avocados, let's talk about the human benefit first. According to the Journal of the American Heart Association, which published even eating avocados can reduce the risk of cardiovascular health, uh, excuse me, cardiovascular disease significantly. Its high levels of fiber and unsaturated fats could be behind the food's impact on indicators like cholesterol. And the conclusion comes from this study that followed 68,000 women, 41,000 men for 30 years. During that period, 9,100 cases of coronary disease and 5,200 strokes were detected. After evaluating various factors in the patient's cardiovascular risk and diets, the study's author calculated that consuming half an avocado twice a week reduced risk by 16% compares that don't. Now, that's significant. That is significant. So you want to reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease? Eat an avocado a week, and it's so easy to do. There's so many different ways to do it. If you're a millennial, you can have avocado toast. If you're a regular person, you can put it in a salad. You can do anything with it. It's wonderful. Such a versatile fruit. I want to thank um, Governor David Patterson and his wife, Mary Patterson, formerly Mary Sliwa, and I know David listens to this show regularly. They left for Carmine the most wonderful baby gift uh, ever. It was a handmade bag that Mary's had for 15 years, and uh, Curtis and Anthony, who's Curtis's, uh, uh, excuse me, Mary and Anthony, who's Curtis's son as well, David's stepson, Mary and Anthony, um, along with David, wrote me the most thoughtful card in the world. I was very touched uh, by this gift, and I think when Carmine's old enough to appreciate the note, he'll be touched as well. But uh, this bag is really handy, and my wife, when she got it, said it's so nice to get some a gift that's not clothes because we've gotten so many clothes from people and people are very well intentioned and well meaning but he's got more clothes than he can ever wear so we've been we've been forced to give a whole bunch of them away now this is so special and so important i really you know you want evidence that david still can beat goliath you want evidence that the Tortoise can still beat the hare. You want evidence that you can fight City Hall and win? 
I have to give a commendation to the Amazon workers on Staten Island. I love these guys. These guys are such an inspiration to me, and they should be for everybody. These guys, the Amazon warehouse workers in Staten Island won their election Friday to form the retail giant's first ever union in the United States. This is a tremendous victory for the labor movement in the face of aggressive union-busting efforts from one of the most powerful countries in the world, owned by the world's richest man, Jeff Bezos. How much did uh, Amazon pay in taxes last year, by the way? Oh, that's right, zero. If you um, if you paid a dollar in taxes, you paid a lot more than Amazon did last year. And yet this company has no problem belittling its workers, firing them, mistreating them, forcing them to work in hazardous conditions very often. And now this little ragtag group in Staten Island, led by union organizer Christian Smalls and his best friend, are going to stand up to Amazon and get some rights to for the Amazon workers. I'm all for this. I am a big supporter of organized labor, especially in the private sector. And I think this worker exploitation that Amazon has been embarking on is shameful. And the way they treat small businesses, the way they censor book publications, the way they treat customers, the way they treat their vendors is shameful. And I'm glad at least somebody has finally been able to stand up to them. And I hope this inspires a lot of other uh, Amazon workers around the country. And somebody said, oh, Frank, you're going to be you're going to be singing a different tune when you have to pay some more money for Prime. If it comes to treating these Amazon workers with humanity, I'll be happy to pay a dollar more for my Amazon Prime subscription. I mean, I wish the government would break them up as the monopoly they are to begin with. But in the meantime, if it means treating these people like a human being, I'll pay a dollar more for my Amazon Prime subscription. Happily. You go, Amazon workers. So happy for you. So proud of you. Thank you. I'm in a union. Uh, on behalf of all unionized private sector workers, thank you. And I want to give a posthumous commendation to Otis Piscopo. Uh, Otis Piscopo is a, a Burmese mountain dog and was Joe Piscopo's dog, who unfortunately passed away, I believe, on uh, Thursday of last week. And I meant to mention this on Friday. I've met Otis a number of times. I don't think I've ever met a better dog. This dog was so friendly. This dog was so patient. And I remember when Joe first started working in radio, he asked the general manager of the station that he's working at, is it okay to bring the dog into work? And I'm so grateful at the answer that Jerry Crowley gave him. He said it's okay on a once-in-a-while basis. This dog, whenever he would come to the radio station lifted everyone's spirits. This was such a good dog. One, I, I love big dogs. Small dogs, as far as I'm concerned, I don't mean to be insulting. Small dogs I find to be a total waste of time. Uh, to me, they look like oversized rats with a high-pitched, shrill bark that annoys me. A nice, big dog like Otis is just wonderful. He was so kind. He was so nice. He was so loyal to Joe. He so loved Joe. And he was so understanding He'd wait there while Joe was doing radio uh, before 
going out and being walked. He was so polite about asking for food and for water. And I remember one time Joe has at his house a Comrex device for when he has to do the show from home. And we were doing a test on the Comrex device. And the Comrex device uh, was on in Joe's house. And it has the headphones that Joe would use if he was doing the show from home on in his house. And Joe said something from the radio station. Joe was in the radio station with me. And his headphones were on at home. And he speaks into the microphone. Who speaks back? Otis. Otis heard Joe, his master and his father, through the headphones. And he barked back at him. And Joe talked right back to Otis. He was such a good dog. Joe taught him how to say, I love you. He was a wonderful dog, named for Otis Redding. He really got, the, Joe got this dog for his son, Michael. But as is so often the case with parents and children and dogs, this really became Joe's dog. Joe did the lion's share of the work and taking care of it. His former assistant, Mo, who unfortunately passed away, she did a lot of work in taking care of him. And uh, I'm going to miss this dog. I was really sad uh, when he passed away. And uh, I'm gl- grateful that I got to know him. And that's the thing with dogs is they really are so special, but uh, they don't live a terribly long time. And especially Burmese mountain dogs. He actually lived a lot longer than his life expectancy. And it's funny, I'll just tell you what kind of a, kind of a great guy Joe Piscopo is and how close he was to Otis and how Ot- he really viewed Otis like a human member of his family. Joe, um, when he would talk about his dog on the air, if he was home, he said... You know, I don't want to say this, but mountain dogs only have a life expectancy of maybe four to six years or six to eight years, whatever it was. But Joe would start whispering because he didn't want Otis to hear. I mean, that's not something you do for a dog. That's the kind of thing you do for a human. And Joe treated him like family. And you could absolutely understand why. This is a wonderful dog. I was so sad to see him go. And uh, I'm glad that Joe uh, posted a, a picture on his Facebook page now. You can hear Joe, by the way, every Sunday night on WABC on the Sundays with Sinatra show. They say it's sometimes better to be lucky than good. That is certainly the case with Crystal Smith. Crystal Smith of Virginia has won the lottery for the fourth time. And uh, this time it is her biggest win yet. She returned a ticket with a winning number. Of $400,000. She'd won $100 a couple of weeks ago playing a scratcher. She played again the next week, won another 100 Then she won $200 a week later, and she kept at it. Won $100,000. Good for you, Crystal Smith. I want to commend the big Grammy winner last night, Jean Baptiste. Won Album of the Year and four other Grammy Awards. He uh, also performed during the telecast. I didn't get to watch the telecast, but I heard nobody got slapped and there were no major crazy moments. So I, it doesn't sound like I missed anything. I saw John Batiste. I didn't know much about him, but I saw him profiled on the um, on the um, CBS Sunday morning show on Sunday. And he seems like a great guy. And he and his wife have gone through a lot. So I'm wishing him the best. Finally, lastly, I want to give a commendation to my friend, Brian Zagan, uh, if you were listening to the Cats Roundtable Sunday morning, you already know this, but Brian Zagan, who's been um, 
really the producer of the Cats Roundtable on Sunday mornings since I stepped aside in that that role three and a half years ago and has done a much better job than I ever did, quite frankly. That's the God's honest truth. Brian Zagan announced that he's leaving radio, at least for the time being, to become a teacher. I am heartbroken over this. I am sick over this. Brian is the glue that holds that show together. I don't know if people that don't work in radio have any understanding of how difficult it is to put together a show with that many newsmaking guests, with that many different elements to it. And the guy was doing the job of five people. The guy was a producer. The guy was a co-host or at least an on-air contributor. The guy was a guest booker. The guy was an affiliate relations manager. The guy was an audio engineer. The guy was doing everything. And I've seen Brian grow in this business uh, since I first met him when he was a WABC intern in 2006. And I've seen his career grow over the course of the last 16 years. And he's a, a great radio professional. And radio is worse off for him leaving it. But uh, I'm glad that there are smart, independent, thoughtful people like Brian going into the most important job there is, which is to be a teacher. Uh, because without teachers, there would be no of nobody of anything else. So um, I'm wishing Brian the best of luck. I hope he comes back to radio, at least on a part-time basis. I think I'm speaking for John Katsimatidis as well, who feels pretty strongly about Brian. And I know I'm speaking for J.P. Miller who has uh, observed firsthand as a weekly guest on the Cats Roundtable for the last few years, Brian's contributions. Uh, he's amazing. He's a sane voice, and I apologize in advance this morning, or Sunday morning, for everything that's going to go wrong now that Brian's no longer there, because he's certainly going to be missed. And uh, I wish him the best of luck and a sincere commendation. This is The Other Side of Midnight. All right, well... Uh, Sometimes people say this show is repetitive. Sometimes people say we cover the same topic. We don't. However, if there's one thing we do a lot of, maybe I am guilty of probably interviewing a lot of ex-attorneys who also happen to be ex-felons. Well, staying on brand, I'll talk with one of them next. Dom Crispino. We've talked with Andrew McKenna. Last week, we spoke with Richard Luthman. We've spoken with Frank Gangemi. We've spoken with John Kufos. I didn't know it was possible. We've spoken with Paul Manafort. I didn't know it was possible to have this many ex-attorneys that are also ex-felons. But we have managed to find them all. And we're going to tap into Dom Crispino's insight straight ahead. WABC. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. This is the 
other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Very, very pleased to be welcomed once again by the X-Man. He is uh, an ex-attorney, an ex-felon, uh, an ex-radio talk show host. And uh, he, while he is currently married, he is also an ex-husband. Very, very pleased to welcome back to the program a guy that knows the law inside and out from both sides, Dom Crispino. Dom, thanks for getting up early on a Monday. Good morning, Frank. It's a pleasure to be with you. Dom, um, you, just to b- bring people up to date on your case, uh, the last time we spoke, uh, we mentioned, I, I talked about how the fact that um, that you had been sentenced back in 2017 to up to 22 years in prison for stealing over a million dollars through some fraudulent real estate deals. You went to prison, you got that conviction vacated, and then there was some question about whether or not they were going to try you again and uh, whether it was going to be a new trial. You have some news on your case since the last time we spoke on air. What's the latest? Yeah, it's it's resolved. I mean, there's one more date that has to come. But, uh, I, uh, you know, if, if everything happens according to plan in May, uh, it's over. Wonderful. I'm, um, I'm a free man. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, we are happy to uh, see that. Best of luck. Now, somebody that uh, may not be so lucky is now ex-Congressman Jeff Fortenberry. He has resigned uh, after for lying to the FBI. Now, honestly, I have questions about whether this is something that should even be a crime. And uh, a lot of other, you know, generally progressive people used to agree with me on that subject until a lot of Trump people ended up getting arrested for that same crime. But uh, break us down. Break this case down for us. What exactly did the former Nebraska Republican congressman do? And uh, what happened with his conviction? All right. It's very simple. He had a fundraiser in 2016 where uh, one contributor gave him $30,000. He gets a a phone call from this guy uh, two years later, right? Uh, The FBI uh, has this guy make a call. The guy in the interim got in trouble, and the FBI was having to make phone calls. And uh, allegedly, he makes a phone call to uh, Congressman Fortenberry, and – Tells him that the, the the money actually may be have been illegal. It was tainted. It might have come from a foreign source, because uh, they can't contribute to U.S. elections, uh, or and that it was uh, it was called together from different people and put on the one name, which you also can't do. So anyway, they have him make this call, and allegedly, they taped the call saying that he's he's telling Fortenberry that this happened. So, all right, that's fine. Um, almost two years later, the FBI makes an appointment with Fortenberry. They 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 want to come to his house. Uh, so agents, uh, we'll call them Fred and Barney, for lack of a better you know mm-hmm. uh, term, go to his house, sit down with him. Uh, I'm sure you can picture Mrs. Fortenberry giving him like lemonade, sure, right. uh, with some corn muffins. That's what they do in Nebraska. In the, That's what they do yeah, in Nebraska. Yeah, with with cornbread, you know, cornbread with corn made in the district. Uh, the five Fortenberry girls, you know, walking around the house talking about the prom, the 4-H right. club, the deal. <laughs> you know, they sit down with they sit down with Jeff Fortenberry, and they and they they ask him questions about you know this, that, the other thing, a whole bunch of different things. And it turns out he doesn't tell them that he knows about any of this stuff as per that phone call. Um, 
but the pretense was they didn't tell him they were coming to ask him about that. They tell him they were coming to ask him about a national security matter. Now, Fortenberry's a Boy Scout, Frank. You know, I'm not a Boy Scout. We know that, right? Clearly. Fortenberry is. He's got a degree. He's a devout Catholic. He's got a degree in divinity. Um, he was a former publishing executive. He made his money and then ran for Congress. He's been their representative in that district since two, beginning of 2005. So he thinks he's being helpful. All right. But apparently this is a setup. So fast forward, they go to see him in Washington again and ask him stuff. And he's doing this without counsel being present either. You know, they're kind of like, you know, they're, they're playing him. So it's all quiet. And then in, in the fall of 2021, they announced that they, they're going to indict him. And they indict him. And he asked for a quick trial because he's running for reelection. Right. And he gets convicted last month in March. Um, basically they gave him, uh, it, the trial was, it was almost like a memory test. The FBI gave him, you know, you had a 10 minute phone call and then two years later, they ask you, do, what do you remember? Um, interesting thing here is the defense put Mrs. Fortenberry on the stand as their only witness. And her testimony was the cell phone coverage in that house was terrible. And apparently it's very terrible in Nebraska too. I was out there in the cornfields. But so essentially the trial was a hearing test, a memory test, and a cell phone coverage test. So, I mean, I'm wondering what our FBI agents are up to. You know, what's what's this about? It sounds like, A, um, in terms of actual malintent and actual intent to break the law here, it sounds like he got a a bit of a, a raw deal. And, B, it sounds like the FBI... Uh, I mean, maybe not legally, but when it comes to the spirit of the term, they look to entrap him. Yes, it looks like. I mean, they, the, the term entrap has a certain meaning to right. it. I said, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Generically, yeah. In the spirit, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. But do, do you think? Um, do you think that Fortenberry has an opportunity to get this uh, get this case overturned? I, I think I think so, but the problem is in in the federal system. Uh, you know, it's hard. Let, let me say this, though. He didn't get tried in Nebraska. These agents were from California. The case was in California. I believe if you had put this case in front of a federal jury in Nebraska, they would they would have just said this doesn't fly. So I, I, I don't know if his attorneys challenged the venue of the case at the outset. I assume they did. He had an excellent attorney. That might be the issue where he gets overturned. Well, that's certainly going to be very interesting. I'll be watching uh, that case case closely. But um, what is this about here? Is this the FBI just trying to get high-profile scalps? Yeah, uh, I don't think so. I think first of all, you'll notice if you if, if you if you listen to the dates I brought up, what happened in between? There was a change in administration. Mm-hmm. This thing, this thing, they set it up and it was sitting out in the district office in, in, in California. So you think this was possibly partisan, that they went after him because yeah. he was a Republican? Absolutely. And a very staunch Republican, a quiet Republican. You don't hear about him. But he was he was very well regarded. Uh, conservative, but, but, but not, not, right, not, not Marjorie crazy. Taylor you know Greene conservative, like a sensible kind of old school conservative. Yeah, a Main Street conservative from the middle of the country. I mean, like I said, the guy's a, the guy's a Boy Scout, uh, uh, and I, I, I really I, I I I was following this case and I was taking it personally. I, I really was. I mean, uh, yeah, I can, it's, it's one thing to come after me, Frank, but you, you come after a 
Boy Scout like that. I mean, there's no hope for this. Yeah, for no, that's here. that's a real shame. So what kind of time is he facing here? Well, I mean, if you read the newspapers, they're saying he faces five years on each each of the counts and like three of them. But we, we know that's not the case. I mean, I don't know what the guy, the federal guideline on this. It probably would be like an 18 to 22 months. But I think it'd be a travesty if this guy spent a day in, in jail. He resigned his seat. You know, because they, I mean, he could have faced consequences anyway from, you know, Nancy Pelosi and the gang over there. Uh, but he resigned the seat because he could he could lose the primary. He could lose the seat to the Democrats, although that's not how he likely not in that district. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he's a guy who does the right thing. But I feel bad for him. Me too. You know, Me too. I guess the lesson for people listening, especially if they happen to be elected officials, and we have a number of elected officials that listen on a regular basis, is don't speak to the FBI at that being honest with them is going to help you. Make sure you have a lawyer present. Yes, they are not your friends. <laughs> and I mean, that, that, that idea of lying to the FBI being a crime, I mean, that's, I mean that, that was more, that's what Martha Stewart did her time for. It's not even the, the securities violation. The fact is yeah. they get very upset when you when they think you lied to them. Uh, well, that's know. what that's what General Flynn's case was was all about yeah. as well. I, I mean, you can go down the list. Roger Clemens went on trial for the same thing. I mean, it's just I think yeah. it's nuts. I think it's nuts. And you know what? Again, as I said, people on the left, including Justice Stevens, used to say the same thing. Uh, but now it's sort of a different world. All right. Speaking of politics, Tom, by the way, if people just tuning in. We're talking with Dominic Crispino. Um, former radio talk show host, former attorney, uh, convicted felon, and uh, we are tapping into some of his legal knowledge. Also, one of our honorees at uh, New Year's Eve Eve uh, this past year. We hope he'll come back uh, this year as well. Uh, Don, by the way, you're you're too smart to be on social media or anything. There's no Twitter or Facebook that I should be promoting for you, is there? No, no. But uh, you know, once once everything's cleared up next month, I mean, I I think I have to plan my comeback. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and, and you don't have to be afraid. I'm not after your slot, friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you, Stay you, away from overnights. That's what, that's, yeah. that's what I tell everybody who's thinking of getting in radio. Uh, we don't need anybody messing up the mojo we got here. All right. Um, I want to ask you about these gerrymandering cases. Now, one of the things that Republicans and Democrats have in common is they are gerrymandering like crazy all over the country. In states where there's a Republican legislature, they're gerrymandering, trying to increase Republican congressional representation in states like New York and Maryland, where there's a Democratic legislature, they're trying to increase the number of Democratic members of Congress. And big article in the New York Times over the weekend, as both parties gerrymander furiously, state courts block the way. State judges have been throwing out congressional maps they call partisan gerrymanders in a sign of the effects of a 2019 Supreme Court ruling that pushed the issue below the federal level to the state courts. Uh, break the issue down for us, Dom. Do you think what these state courts is do are doing, especially here in New York, where they're throwing out these maps, do you think that's going to stand? And what lessons should legislators be learning when they try to do this again 10 years from now? That's a good question, Frank. This is this is in flux right now. Uh, the the fact the Supreme Court punted this back down to the states uh, in that decision in, in 2018 is um, is amazing. And and the fact that the uh, the courts, well, a lot of them are Democrat majority against Republicans and Republican majority against Democrats. I mean, you have you have weird things like um, the governor 
of, of Maryland, uh, you know, appointing Republicans to the court. But it's essentially a Democratic state. And, you know, it's the opposite, like in Michigan. You have a Democratic governor appointing Democrats to the Michigan Supreme Court, but the legislature is Republican. So you have these like little um, internecine battles going on. Um, how this standard is applied is anybody's guess. This is all new. Uh, I know you have the cases out of North Carolina where they, the, the, the Supreme Court flipped it, flipped the Republican maps. Uh, and then, but again, stuff in, in Maryland where it goes the other way. And in New York, we had one too, uh, a judge upstate. Um, flipped it over, and that case is going up to the fourth department within the western part of the state, which is a strange place for this to to be decided. Um, it's probably the lesser of the four appellate divisions, but you know, hey. And, but anyway, it'll head up to the above them to the court of appeals after that. Um, it, the, the New York case though is interesting. If we could just take a minute for that, New York passed a number of amendments mm. uh, in the last decade to the state constitution. And, you know, as you know, Frank, when we amend the state constitution, it's got to get approved by the voters in two consecutive elections in order to be a constitutional amendment. It's got to be passed by the legislature. And then we have to pass it in one session. And then two years later, another session, you know, those little things at the end of the ballot that nobody knows what they are. No, I voted for it uh, when it was on the ballot. Absolutely. They were supposed to create a commission. They created this like procedure, all these different steps. And then the uh, the legislature goes out and skips all those steps and just and 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 the judge says, well, wait a minute, you can't do that. We well, the, well, the they didn't they didn't skip the stuff. I mean, there was an independent commission. But I mean, what's going to happen when you have a commission of five Democrats and five Republicans? Shockingly, they weren't able to come up with an agreement on the lines that they thought were were appropriate. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. So your but prediction they, they, about what the Court of Appeals and the Appellate Division does in the New York case, for instance, do you think they throw out the maps? Uh, it's another that that's anybody's guess, because our Court of Appeals is relatively new. Most of the appointees in that court have been put in the last three years. Right. We don't really know the track record. The only one on that court is the chief judge who's been around the longest, Janet DeFury. But you have you have uh, two judges who just got on that court, uh, two more who got on the court like this past year. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that I do wonder with six of the seven judges appointed by Andrew Cuomo, uh, is there uh, if they were to decide to push back the primary to August, does that uh, serve to uh, that? Does that inure to Andrew Cuomo's benefit, the person that appointed them? It's going to be very interesting. That's for sure. It is interesting. The, the one the one guy on that court who's my favorite is Judge Wilson, Rowan Wilson. Uh, it's a little it's a little arcane to talk about the Court of Appeals. Uh, but Rowan Wilson is has got to be the smart one of the smartest judges that I've really? ever read his opinions. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, you read his criminal justice opinions. The, the man the man is sharp as a whip. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm curious to see when this reaches up there, if he if he comes out of the woodwork and like takes control of this and does something intellectually honest with it. Interesting. Well, yeah. I'll look forward to uh, seeing how he votes on this. Now, very quickly, Dom, almost out of time, but I have to get your take on this because this is actually something that might affect you. New York is debating something called clean slate bill. And what this mm-hmm. would do, this legislation that's pending in Albany now, it would automatically seal conviction records for New Yorkers 
who meet certain standards and have already completed their criminal sentences. Evidently, according to an article I read in City in, in State, there's this is not just being pushed by progressive politicians. There's this growing coalition of businesses, chambers of commerce, labor unions and advocacy organizations all on the same page in yes. getting this sl- clean slate legislation passed in the upcoming budget, which could happen as soon as today. Give me your take on the legislation briefly, if you can explain what it is and then tell us why so many corporations are now back. Well, the, just the, the, uh, the, the simple uh, thumbnail on this is that it's, it's remediation. It gives you an opportunity after a certain amount of time, and that's one of the issues, the amount of time and the conditions, that to, to fix a mistake. Let's say you're, uh, you're, you're a young kid and you deal drugs when you're 18 and you do two years in prison. You, there's, there's no way to fix that ever again. Let's say you, you got a job, you know, you had a family and whatever, and you can't progress in the economy because you have this, this conviction that's like an albatross around your neck. Mm. Uh, this would give an opportunity if you've like been a taxpayer for a certain amount of time, if you if you uh, completed certain programming, whatever it may be. And, 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 and what the statute ends up in New York, whatever it ends up being, we don't know because the, the legislature could just like change that at the last second. Um, but it, it's a remediation thing. It allows you to to make yourself a full citizen again. OK, and that's a great idea. It's a t- it's, it's something that's been needed for a long time. And I think the um, the business community uh, and, and a lot of conservative groups and progressive groups should be uh, commended for getting together and, and, and having input in this. Sure. Um, I mean, that's not surprising. No, it makes, little, makes little, sense little, to me. Uh, makes sense to me. We're definitely going to be exploring it in the coming days. And, uh, Dom, we'll have you back soon. Maybe we'll do a panel of you and some of other our other favorite former attorneys. <laughs> Oh, boy, it's going to be like a match game. Exactly. (laughs) Dom, uh, thanks for joining me. All right, Frank. Take it easy. Thank you. Dom Crispino, if you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, 800-848-WABC. Your phone calls and the best and worst April Fool's pranks straight ahead. WABC. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Thank you for listening. A couple of quick comments. One, um, so there were some very good April Fool's pranks the other day um, on Friday. And usually I'm a guy that finds all these April Fool's pranks so lame. But I got to tell you, I did get quite a kick. Um, I was hanging out with my friend Anthony on Friday, I mentioned, and he comes over after we went out to dinner and um, I was hoping my wife would still be up, but she wasn't. So we played ping pong, which is fine. He beat me four games to one. And uh, then, you know, we ended up watching a little television. And I said, let me turn on these late night shows because I'm just curious to see what people are doing. And so I turn on ABC, which is Jimmy Kimmel's show. But Jimmy Kimmel's not there. Jimmy Fallon is hosting. I said, wait a minute. It's Jimmy Fallon, who works for a competing network, 
hosting the Jimmy Kimmel show. I said, that's pretty clever. That's neat. I like that. So let me go on to uh, go over to NBC. <laughs> I go, I, excuse me, to, um, to, yeah, I go over to NBC to Jimmy Fallon's show. Jimmy Kimmel was hosting the Jimmy Fallon show. So the two Jimmys switched uh, the, in their competing late night show. I mean, that's wild. That's great. That's a lot of fun. That'd be like George Norrie and I switching for a day. I think that was a very clever April Fool's prank. But um, so that was fun. This streets blog, April Fool's uh, joke by Gersh Kuntzman had Eric, my friend Curtis Lee fooled that Mayor Eric Adams will would be launching a bike super highway on Third Avenue. Now, look, anybody could fool Curtis Lee. He's probably one of the more gullible people in all of radio. But this had a lot of very smart people fooled as well. So uh, this was a very clever prank. Very funny. And um, we, and even though I said that I don't really like doing this stuff, John Katzmatidis said, you know, I'm co-hosting with Sid on Friday morning. Why don't you call in and sort of do a reenactment of the world War of the Worlds? And that's what we did. So um, I, I, I thought it actually went much better than I expected. And um, I appreciate John coming up with that idea and including me. And the feedback that I got from listeners was very, very uh, positive. One of the things that I did say after we said that it was an April Fool's joke, though, uh, is I said there was no such place as Grover's Mill, uh, New Jersey, or Grover's Mills. Uh, There is, and I didn't know that. So I want to thank the listener, Kerry O'Mara, who pointed that out. There is a Grover's Mill. So my apologies to the people of Grover's Mill. also want to thank the listener, Jonathan Lerner. Apparently, I was operating on old information about Amazon, and I did look this up, and he's correct. He points out that Amazon paid 6% in taxes on $35 billion in profits in 2021. They would have paid $5.2 billion more if they didn't get any tax breaks, but they did. So Amazon did not pay 0% in taxes. They paid 6%. Also, my uh, an update to the Forlini story. It was initially reported that Forlini's was going to close on April 18th, but I was correct with what I initially said when I told you about that story on Friday. Forlini's is now closed. It's done. It's closed. So it's a, a real shame because I was looking forward to one last meal there. So my thanks to everybody that helps correct me. I make a lot of mistakes on a regular basis. I've never pretended to be the smartest guy on radio at all. If you ever catch me in a mistake, email me. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. That's Frank.M-O-R-A-N-O at WABCRadio.com. After the top of the hour, what do you do if you're married to someone who has friends you don't like? Tell me. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Is the other side of midnight with Frank Morano? They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
everybody. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I do have to tell you, I'm relatively new at this marriage stuff. I uh, was married in September of 2019. So that means I've been married for about two and a half years. I would say happily for the most part, at least on my end. But, um, you know, I've always maintained that marriage is something anybody can give you advice, right? But marriage is something that you really get good at with experience. That's why I know a lot of people, including in my own family, who I really think their second or third marriages are better off than their first ones were because you kind of learn from your earlier mistakes how to be a better husband or a better wife and different strategies for things that might not have gone well previously. One thing that I'm curious how you deal with, all you marital veterans out there, whether you're married happily or whether you're married and divorced, because some people, sometimes it's the divorced people that are as are the best judges of what's right and what's wrong and what's effective, what's ineffective. And there's one thing. So it's funny. My uncle Steve was married to a woman named Carol for many years. She died, unfortunately. But I remember one one day when I was a very young person, he said to me, Carol's going out with Diane tonight. And I said, well, so what do you care? I don't like Diane. And I thought to myself, huh, isn't that a shame that here's a close friend of my uncle's wife and my uncle can't get along with her for whatever reason? And I thought, didn't think much of it. Then I have an, another, I'm not going to mention this couple by name because they still listen uh, and they're still alive. And I think the other parties are still invo- uh, alive. But I have another relative. Let's call, um, I have another relative. This is not his name. Let's call it uh, uh, Jed, right? I don't have an Uncle Jed, but I've been watching a lot of West Wing. So let's call him Uncle Jed, right? And He's married uh, to um, my uh, Aunt Annie, okay? Annie has a friend named Shirley. And my Uncle Jed believes that Shirley is a negative influence on his wife. And that she not only does things that are not good behavior, when they're together, drink too much, stay out too late, act recklessly. But he believes that Shirley gets in her ear about things that are going on within their marriage and their domestic family situation. So it got me wondering, what do you do if your husband or your wife is friends with someone that you just don't like, that you just don't want to spend time with. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. I have a lot of friends that my wife doesn't like. Many. And she's very patient with them. And uh, look, you see by all the criminals that I'm friends with um, why she may not be um, exactly enthused about having someone, some of them 
around our child. And that's the way I feel about some of her friends as well. She's friends with some people who I like. I mean, they find I find them kind of annoying, but she really likes them. And, you know, for one reason or another, maybe mostly because the way they treat each other, the way they talk to each other, the way they talk about each other, that's not a great um, model for what I'd like my son to see in a functioning marriage. So what do you do in a situation like that where you just don't get along with your husband or your wife's friend or friends? How do you handle that? How do you handle it in a way that is respectful in which you're not um, dismissive of the fact that your husband or your wife may like these people, but how do you not get stuck hanging out with these people all the time? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. What do you think? Any advice on that front? Because, I mean, there are some folks, you don't always want to make your husband or your wife be the third wheel in a uh, couple's dinner, right? So let's say there's a couple you don't get along with and your wife really wants to go out with them. All right, you go out once, go out twice, but how often do you really need to do it? But you also don't want her to be in a situation where you say, all right, you know, I'll stay home with the baby, you go out. So what do you do in that kind of a circumstance? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222-12345. Open lines at the moment, 1-800-848-9222. Still to come, we got the $1,000 minute. We got 15 seconds of fame. We got a lot of fun stuff this hour. Joe is in Queens. Hello there, Joe. Yeah, yeah, Frank. Uh, Also, uh, I'm going to check out a podcast, Land of the Giants, which uh, they're advertising uh, on analyzing Amazon, since you brought that up, and and I'll uh, see what that says on the whole Amazon issue. Yeah, let me know your review after you do listen to it. Yeah, uh, on this issue that you're talking about now, you brought up a key issue, stuck with. Now, you know, what if you really are stuck with these people, the friends or whatever, or vice versa, on either side? Uh, I mean... Is that something you should be angry about? And, 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 you know, if you really are, how do you deal with the anger portion of that? If if you're somewhat angry, hey, I really am stuck with these people, you know. This is some of my wife's best friends, for example. Uh, What what am I going to do? You you know, I can't tell her, you know, give her orders. Right, so what's the answer, Joe? I mean, you don't want a situation where that relationship – uh, you know, uh, leads to greater tension within a marriage. Uh, but you also, as you say, don't want to be in a position to say, oh, you know, you can't. We'd, I really would rather you not spend time with um, with with Shirley or or Bonnie. Uh, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, because can once you start stepping on over, is that stepping over the line saying you shouldn't hang out with this particular friend because if she really does want to hang out with the friend, then she and she changes her behavior. She's not going to do that without being resentful of 
being like kind of, of course, of right? So what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? I, I guess you can you, you can maybe just do partial adjustments, but not a full scale turnaround. I think. All right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair. Fair yeah. enough. Thank you, Joe. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. John is in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Frank, that was a very good interview you had the last half hour. I'm not going to comment on that that much because uh, you raised an interesting point that I'm going to disagree with you on. uh, And uh, I'm going to preface it by saying that I heard a very interesting comment yesterday from Dick Morris. He pointed out that the Donbass region was the region in Ukraine that gave the most votes to Zelensky. So even though they are predominantly Russian-speaking there, they may actually still want to be part of Ukraine and not separatist republic. Well, well, I, it could, you could be right, and Dick Morris is a smart guy. But I would just point out, and uh, look, I know you know uh, Eastern European geopolitics probably better than I do, John, but... Um, Zelensky, when he ran, did not run on a platform of being hostile towards Russia. He ran um, as sort of a, a peacemaker, as sort of a, a conciliatory attitude right. towards Russia. So it's not shocking to me that you have a lot of the ethnic Russians in the Donbass region that were willing to vote for Zelensky, especially because Poroshenko, they sort of knew what they were getting with Poroshenko. Can I also um, add add to that point, though? I don't think they want to uh, be under the rule of the Putin dictatorship. So that I think that's another clear point right there. And interestingly enough, as Morris pointed out, the Russian separatist party received a a distant third vote in in that election in, in those regions. Yeah, uh, well, that's an important observation, John. I'm glad you mentioned it. Can I also quickly mention one more thing, and sure, then I'll sure, go. Sure, sure, uh, sure. There is in northern New Jersey this Ukrainian American relief organization that was just organized within the last month, founded by members of a family that were on Dancing with the Stars. It's called Baranova Space Twenty Seven. I've posted it already on the Facebook group, but I would urge people just to Google it and see what they can to help them. Because unlike some of the other charities, uh, such as uh, WABCs and Pataki's, they are geared exclusively to sending medical supplies to, to Ukraine. So we could help them out. You know, that, that would be... Sure. Great. Well, that's I'm glad. Thank you, John. Appreciate you mentioning that. Now, I can't vouch for any, any charity uh, that, that John mentioned or that anybody else posted in the Facebook group. There is a lot of corruption in Ukraine, and I'll be honest, one of my great concerns is that a lot of very well-intentioned donations from Americans are going to fall into the wrong hands. I do trust uh, George Pataki and the folks at the Pataki Center to make sure that um, that aid gets directly to the people that need it. I do trust the uh, charity efforts over at WABCRadio.com to do the same thing. So I'm not – if you hear a caller call in and say, oh, this charity's great or that charity's great, I'm not vouching for any Ukrainian relief charity at all. 
800-848-WABC. Sean in Park Ridge, what do you do if your husband or your wife has friends that you don't like? Uh, I have two things I like to say. One is in that situation, uh, whatever the interest is of that person, it doesn't matter what it is, but just find out whatever they're so interested in and talk about that. And and you don't really even have to talk about it too much. Just like kind of initiate the conversation, let them go ahead and go on and on about it. And really you can just kind of be a listener and just be uh, very agreeable and this way it kind of gets you, you know, uh, you know, you don't get annoyed. You don't get frustrated. You're just, you know, uh, riding the roller coaster, so to speak. <laughs> right. But what does that mean in terms of does that put you in the same position where your wife takes your silence for, um, you know, essentially silent consent that you don't mind socializing with uh, other couples that uh. you may not like? Well, no, I mean, I would like, you know, just privately, you know, talk to your wife and just be like, listen, you know, um, and just be honest with her, you know, and, 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 you know, just, you know, agree to kind of uh, go along, but, you know, also maybe kind of some kind of compromise of like, you know, we're not going to get together with this couple every weekend, but maybe once a month or whatever, you know? <laughs> right. No, I, I think that's a I think that's a, a I think that's a reasonable approach, uh, Sean. Thank and you. And that's sort of I what I think my wife tries to do with my friends that she doesn't like. And I think that's what I try to do with friends of hers that I don't like. Yeah. And I just also wanted to mention one other thing, um, you know, in the case of where you're not married and, you know, I'm just saying even in my case, I'm not married. But uh, even friends that you might have friends that you're good friends with, but there's certain people that just kind of push your button buttons and and they just kind of like seem to like try to antagonize right. you and stuff right and what i've learned to do over the last few years anyway is um as much as i love them as friends um i just i just say life's too short i'm not hanging out with you too much because um i don't have time for that <laughs> yeah now you know sean that's uh that's very sound advice for everybody i think thank you very much um, you want to join the Facebook group and continue on this conversation. There's seven open lines if you want to jump on board. Now's the time, 800-848-9222. But if you want to join the uh, Facebook group conversation, you can just go on Facebook, type Morano Radio Fans and Haters uh, on Facebook, and you can join. Ellen writes, uh, what lovely gifts from Neil and from Governor Patterson for Little Carmine. But are you and Rachel sure that you wouldn't have a mug for him instead? Ha, ha. Now, it's so funny that she said that because we were at our friends yesterday and they gave Rachel a late birthday gift because this was the first time. And I guess they don't listen to the show, but this was the first time that they had um, seen Rachel since her birthday. So she gives her a mug and it was a very thoughtful mug. It was personalized and everything. But it was all I could do to keep from laughing. Because all I'm thinking is if my wife tries to throw out one of my prized mugs to make room for this one, then we are going to have an issue. But um, luckily, I, I think all my mugs are safe for the time being. 800-848-92227. Count them. Seven open lines. Unfortunately, seeing no one else on hold, I am forced reluctantly to go to Chris from the Catskills. Hello, Chris. Hey, Frank. Yeah, condolences to your friend Joe. And very classy of you to have that story about that father and son at the uh, pizzeria. 
in Queens, correct? It uh, got stabbed. Yes, in Elmhurst. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so let's have a debate and raise some money for charity. There's a lot of crime going on in New York City. There's uh, obviously a tie-in with uh, mental health issues that aren't going on. Let's have a debate on Curtis's show. I'd love to debate you. I'm happy to I'm happy to participate. But, Chris, one, I mean, I don't know that anybody would give money to charity for a debate like that. One, because I don't know anything about fighting crime in New York and I don't pretend to. And two, no one really knows who you are. I mean, it's not like you're getting together (laughs) Alan Dershowitz and Pat Buchanan. We could could blow it up. Well, I'll be happy to I'll be happy to participate. But 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 anyway, I'm sorry if I lost you. You said I, I was sleeping and I guess I left my radio on and the sound of my own voice woke me up and talk about uh, a nightmare. You know, Jeez. You tell me about it. And, you know, I thought you, you, you referenced Jimmy Kimball. So I was like, all right, he's going to do Jimmy Kimball's line. My apologies to Chris from the Catskills. We ran out of time. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were totally going to set that. That would have been that. funny. That would have. I felt bad you were holding so long that I, I didn't want to do I was, that. Listen, to hey, man, if, if I cost you uh, the comments I made about Ron Kuby because he's dynamite on the air. And, you know, it, and he he I was talking with Curtis. I used to love listening to the two of them. And, you know, Curtis is dynamite on the radio. I think. He might be one of the best in the history of radio at carrying airtime by himself. But when he got into like sort of debates with Ron Kuby, you know, Ron Kuby does that for a living, you know, so he, Ron would, Ron would come out pretty well in a lot of those uh, things, but you know, towards the end of their um, run together, they, they, it seemed like Ron really would get off on arguing with Curtis because he knew he was good at it, you know, and it seemed like Curtis got frustrated. That's kind of how the show ended. But, uh, you know, I, I don't you know, you and I could hide behind New York Times versus Sullivan or Larry Flint versus Hustler magazine. And we could throw barbs and slanders at one another. And, ne- and neither one of us can do anything about it because we're both public figures, I guess. It, believe it or not, I am. I was an elected official. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I did some things. I helped a lot of people. So, uh, you know, I just uh, I want to, you know, clear the record. I, I, I don't. Doesn't sit well with me, people, you know, uh, sort of making disparaging comments that aren't true. All right. Well, thank you for clearing that up, Chris. Appreciate it. So Chris was an elected official in uh, upstate New York. Now we know why upstate New York is in the condition that it's in. You know, you go around upstate New York and it is just economically depressed. People are leaving in droves. Now we see why. They're electing people like Chris in the Catskill. So... Eventually, we reap what we sow. Hey, uh, we're going to do the... Uh, by the way, if you have any comments on um, what I mentioned, how to handle a friend of your husband or wife, not a boyfriend or girlfriend, because as Jerry Seinfeld always says in his routine, that's like minor leagues. It, how to handle the friend of a husband or wife that you just don't like? What do you do? So that you're not stuck hanging out with them all the time, but you don't want to create any acrimony with your partner. 800-848-WABC. We are going to do the $1,000 minute. So if you have questions or comments on what we're talking about in the next six minutes, you can call in. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. $1,000 minute. Now, this was, speaking of marital acrimony, I pushed my wife's patience to the limit this weekend because almost I had on 
wrestling on television because this was WrestleMania weekend. Now, WrestleMania used to be just a three-hour event. Then it was a four-hour event. Then it was a five-hour event. Then it was like a a, a five-hour event with a three-hour pre-show. Now it's actually two separate days, and it's like 12 hours of content and then some, because they have all these specials that they release and stuff. So I took full advantage. I didn't watch any of Sunday's WrestleMania. I did watch some of Saturday's. And I went back and looked on the WWE Network, which you get if you have Peacock. Uh, big thank you to my brother Alexander for paying for our Peacock subscription and doing the password sharing thing, uh, something that I think they're going to be cracking down on in short order. But. I watched uh, all these old WrestleManias. I watched the a good portion of Saturdays. I watched a lot of the Saturday pre-show. I watched the Hall of Fame induction. And I watched a documentary about WrestleMania. And, you know, it's funny. Who did I see in the documentary about WrestleMania? Joe Piscopo was there because he had been at the uh, the first WrestleMania. Um, Mac Blaze, I know historically you're a wrestling fan. I know you had to work Sunday night. What did you see this weekend? I watched Saturday night's. The whole thing. I did. Uh, so what was your take? Give us your review. Um, Without making it too inside baseball or inside the squared circle. Right, right. Best match of the night, I would say uh, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins. I, You know, I watched that too, and I would agree with you. And and, and that lived up to the hype of, uh, you know, a surprise because yes. Cody Rhodes had been rumored. That's the son of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Correct. A, the brother of Dustin Rhodes. He's the American Nightmare. He had been rumored to be making his con- return to the WWE. He'd been in another federation called AWE. That was a good match. Yeah, I thought that was the best match of the night. Second place, I thought, was uh, the Bianca Belair match with Becky Lynch. I thought that was the next best match. Um I thought the Stone Cold Kevin Owens match. So it was a match. They actually had a wrestling match. It they wasn't... did. It, okay. it, it came out as like he does a show, right? A KO show, and he invited Stone Cold on his show. But Stone Cold comes out with the shorts with both knee braces on. You know they're going to have a match. Mm. And Kevin Owens goes through the whole thing about I didn't invite you out here just to talk. I I want to challenge you to a no holds barred match. Ah. Well, without don't give the result in case people are watching it on demand. And that's okay. what's so great about the WWE Network now is you can watch a lot of this stuff a little later. But give us your review of the match itself. Um, Stone Cold is in his 50s. Mm-hmm. And it showed. And it showed. There was a few times that I was like, oh, wow. I was surprised that he could do what he did. Um, and then I'm not going to say the result, but it, it was okay. I'm, I'm going to say it was the worst thing. It was what you could expect from a guy in his 50s wrestling. And it was Stone Cold, you know, Kevin Owens, that was his dream, you know, to get in the ring with Stone Cold, and that was good. Um, and that was, the for me, uh, the highlights. The, the other matches were okay. Uh, there's no, so far, because I had not seen Sunday Night yet, there hasn't been any WrestleMania. No classics, no, more, nothing that people could no. be talking about 50 years from now. Absolutely not. And I, too, was thinking about this, and I this morning... I told you that I had gone to two major pay-per-views, the Survivor Series in 1996 and SummerSlam 97. I realized that I don't even remember what happened at any of these pay-per-views. I, like, watched it back. At the time, you mean? Right, no, like, now. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back, and I go, I know I was there. I remember certain things, but I barely remember what was happening. I watched a match with The Undertaker and Mankind with Paul Bearer 
suspended in a little steel cage above the ring. I go, yeah, I kind of remember that, but I don't remember what happened. I remember the Ro- it was The Rock's debut first match ever. And I remember it. Like, I remember him running down. That's all I remembered. And well, I've been to other wrestling events, and I don't really remember any of the ve- events except for, like, The Rock's debut and in SummerSlam 97, uh, Owen Hart giving Stone Cold Steve Austin the pile driver that basically ruined his career. Because so, he almost broke his neck. So what but are we what are we to learn from that? Is that these things are so fleeting? Yeah, that That's you, true. you don't even remember. Like I, you know, this is what twenty years ago. I barely remember it. And like now, unless there's a big moment in WrestleMania history, no one. Do you remember what happened at WrestleMania two years ago? No, but I haven't been watching regularly. But even if there's anybody you know? else right. though. Yep. You know, you're right. You haven't watched in a while, but I don't remember. I watched it last year. Um, I don't really remember even the, the main event. Well, the, well, I think it was Edge wrestled for the first. I don't even remember. But I am looking forward to that match. I haven't watched it yet. The Edge AJ Styles match that happened, I believe, last night. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out uh, as well. Couple of things um, based on my weekend of wrestling watching. What else did you watch besides WrestleMania? Did you, it was just all you watched a couple old WrestleManias. Well, here's what I did. I watched. Um, I watched the the um, history of WrestleMania documentary. I did go back and watch matches from a couple of old WrestleManias, which is going to lead me to one of my comments in a minute. And I watched the whole um, WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Did you watch that? I watched the highlights of it. The highlights. Okay. Well, so the the Hall of Fame induction ceremony was, uh, very interesting. And again, it's, I didn't really, I would, I didn't have that much time to watch television over the weekend. So I, I mean, I spent almost the entire time that I did have watching television, watching wrestling. And while I'd be taking care of Carmine or doing some work on the show, I'd put all, all the stuff in the background. So the 2022 Hall of Fame ceremony was really very interesting. They had a lot of um, the folks being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Vader, the man they call Vader, was inducted posthumously. Beautiful remarks from his son and from his widow. The Steiner brothers, which was a great tag team, they they were inducted. Uh, their uh, Rick Steiner's son gave the induction speech but really the highlight of the, uh, the of the day was the undertaker who had been performing in pro wrestling for 30 years almost all of that time in the uh, WWE giving his uh, getting inducted to the Hall of Fame by Vince McMahon himself now that's pretty rare that Vince McMahon does the induction but I think it says a lot about the magnitude of the Undertaker's career, and he was he had he had I think the longest undefeated streak in the history of WrestleMania, longer than Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, anybody. So, um, I I was always like I, I was never that crazy about the Undertaker as a wrestler. I was more of a Ric Flair guy. I was never crazy about the supernatural aspect of the Undertaker's character. But as his career went on. You can't help but appreciate, one, how tough this guy was, his incredible level of endurance still doing this three decades after he started, and what a, what an incredible athlete he was. And 
a lot of that supernatural stuff that I wasn't crazy about in my youth, it did diminish towards the uh, towards the end of his career. He sort of evolved with the times while maintaining enough of his original gimmick to give purists um, the you know some 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 of the things they liked about it. But I have to tell you, this Hall of Fame induction speech, and I'm actually going to retweet it now because it was it was incredible. This Hall of Fame induction speech was phenomenal. This was the best Hall of Fame induction speech that I've ever heard any wrestler give. And, you know, you're never really sure what former pro wrestlers are going to do. Some, like uh, Jesse Ventura, go into commentary, Jerry Lawler, commentary. Some go into managing. Um, Others go into uh, other fields like uh, podcasting, like Stone Cold Steve Austin or um, a number of others. Some go into acting, like The Rock. Some make a, a living off their brand if it's big enough, like Hulk Hogan. But after watching this this incredibly emo and I'm not embarrassed to tell you, I was in tears watching this. After watching this incredibly, and I, I just tweeted it so you could see for yourself at Frank Morano. After watching this incredibly emotional uh, speech that he gave, th- the Undertaker or Mark Calloway is his real name. His next career has to be as a motivational speaker because I've seen other wrestlers like Mark Merrow, who was Johnny B. Bad, make the transition to motivational speaking. And The Undertaker was the best I've ever seen. I would hire, if I had a corporation, I would hire this guy, pay him whatever he wants to come and just give the same speech to a corporation. And he talks about, he talked about, he juxtaposed some of the moves that he did in the ring with some of the, of of his mental moves. And he went through three mental moves that he sort of lives his life by. And, Essentially, I, 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 I'll, I'll share this to you, but you should, um, you should watch the whole thing because it was really well done, even if you're not a wrestling fan. He went through three of his mental moves that he encouraged everybody to live by. One, and he gives examples illustrating this, it's that perception is reality. And he gives some examples of why that's so important. Two, it's how far respect and loyalty goes. And to treat everybody respectfully. And just because he's a world champion or a superstar wrestler or famous, that doesn't make him any better than the guy who's working on the crew who put the ring together or the security guard at the stadium. And that a pleasant word to someone or a handshake or a smile or an upward nod, it really can go a long way. And just going back to our earlier discussion, he said in some cases it could even save someone's life. And I thought that was so important for people, especially young people, to see. And I'm sorry that my son wasn't old enough to understand what was going on with the speech because I watched it with him and I'm going to watch it with him when he's older because it was really so meaningful. And the third was to never be content. And you can really see, in addition to his physical toughness, which, uh, and look, his abilities as an athlete, like anybody that ages, diminished over time. 
he was not the same athlete at 55 years old that he was at 25. But I think it's these mental moves that he talked about in his speech which led to him having the kind of career that he did. So I would encourage you to watch it in its entirety if you can. It was really great. I just tweeted some highlights at Frank Moreno. A wonderful, wonderful speech that I can't say enough uh, good things about. But last thing I'll say before we get to the $1,000 Minute is, so because it was WrestleMania weekend, my friend Vinny was over yesterday, and I end up, you know, making some WrestleMania anecdotes. So you remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? Did you see this? No, I never saw that. Oh, good. Well, they have every WrestleMania on here ever, which is great. Now, WrestleMania 7 in Los Angeles. Matt Blaze, do you remember what happened at WrestleMania 7? WrestleMania 7 was, what year was that? It was like, I don't know, 90, 1991, 92, 91? No, okay. I don't remember. 1991. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, WrestleMania 7, the main event was the world champion Sergeant Slaughter versus Hulk Hogan. Sergeant Slaughter, whose whole career he'd been working, he'd been working on behalf of America, very patriotic, even when he was a, a villain or a heel, always very patriotic. He had chosen, this is while we're at war with Iraq, and he had chosen to side with the Iraqis. And he worked for the Iraqis, not in real life, but that's his character. And by the way, this gimmick led to he and his family getting death threats. Because he's out there in an Iraqi uniform, waving the Iraqi flag. And Hulk Hogan, it was basically a real-life Rocky IV. Well, not real life, but a wrestling-life version of Rocky IV. Hulk Hogan standing for America and everything that's good. I remember, and I have the VHS tape, and I'm going to go back and watch this VHS tape, that there was a moment in that WrestleMania where Hulk Hogan takes a razor blade out of his wristband and cuts his forehead. They call it blading in wrestling. And puts it onto the mat. And the referee, Earl Hebner or Dave Hebner, reaches around, takes the razor blade off the mat, and puts it in his pocket. Now, blading was against the rules of the WWE even back then. And they have discussed this. They're not, they weren't supposed to do it because of... HIV and health restrictions. I watched this match twice and then I went rewound right before he starts bleeding. I am convinced they edited this out. I, and I know they edited out and I denounced them at the time for this. I know they edited out a bunch of racially insensitive stuff like with uh, Roddy Piper and Bad News Brown, like when Roddy Piper came out in half blackface. I, I, I don't I didn't like that either. But that's the world in which they live in. They should not have edited that out. I I watched it twice. And I remember where it was. And I'm curious if anyone else remembers that moment. Because it's not on the WWE Network. You They still show him bleeding. And you have Bobby Heenan and Regis Philbin and Gorilla Monsoon talking about him bleeding. But that um, you don't see him cutting himself with the razor blade. And I don't like that. It's rewriting history. To me, not to go back to our whole Russian conversation, this is what the Soviet Politburos would do. They would write people out of history. History happened as it happened. Let us see it. In The Godfather, when they when we watch The Godfather, we see James Caan missing Johnny Russo with that punch. They don't fix it. 
I want to see the WrestleManias as they aired. Not with this cleaned up version. I didn't like that at all. It made me very upset. So um, unless it's just my imagination, email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Don't call in on this because uh, for the non-wrestling fans in our audience, I've, I've, done, I've tested their patience as it is. But for those of you that are non-wrestling fans, keep in mind, it's only WrestleMania once a year. That's what I said to my wife uh, when she said, is there a reason why wrestling is now on our television every single time that I look at it? And I said, honey... It's only WrestleMania once a year. It's like the Super Bowl. Now, Super Bowl is a couple hours and it's over. It's not 12, 13 hours of content as WrestleMania weekend has now become. But so be it. Hey, uh, seventh caller to 1-800-848-WABC. You'll get an opportunity to play the $1,000 minute. That's 800-848-9222. Answer 10 trivia questions in uh, 60 seconds and you will get to try to answer them and win $1,000. Seventh caller to 1-800-848-9222. If you enjoyed WrestleMania weekend, I hope you did. Uh, if there were any other highlights of Sunday's matches, email me. I'm not going to be able to watch the whole thing. Email me. Uh, let me know what you think is worth watching. This way I'm not totally dependent on Matt Blaze's review. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. W-A-B-C. Here I am, I'll have to leave soon, why am I holding on? We knew this day would come, we knew it all along, how did it come so fast? This is our last night, but it's late, and I'm trying not to sleep, cause I know It's gonna. We're only a couple hours away from daylight, a little later than it used to be because of daylight saving time. Leave off the last ask for savings. It is not uh, savings time. It is saving. Uh, but without further ado, it is time for lo- one lucky listener to try his hand or her hand at winning $1,000 by answering 10 trivia questions. It is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Morano. Thank you, Chris Libertini. Let's meet our contestant, John in Brooklyn. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing well, John. You familiar with the game? I am. I am. Can I tell a real quick wrestling story? Sure. Really quick. Go ahead. Well, I was in a bagpipe band, and we got a little gig to play for Roddy Roddy Pipe. I wasn't really a wrestling fan. I had no idea who he was, so we, we line up, and we start playing. We march in. I had no idea. I'm getting screamed at. I got three of thrown at me. I didn't know he was the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it was, you know, as much as I know it's uh, entertainment, 
Backstage, these, these they are tremendous athletes. There's no doubt about it. I was very impressed by the whole operation. And they were the nicest people. And so was Roddy, Roddy Piper. He wasn't a bad guy at all. So. Oh, no. He's got That's a great reputation. Point. And he had a great sense of humor. And uh, one of um, – and again, I promised no more wrestling talk. So this will be the last thing that I said. But uh, one thing that he did um, one time was he was, perf- he was wrestling – in a primarily Hispanic community, and most of the crowd was Hispanic. And he says, all right, well, in tribute to your culture, I'm actually going to play the Mexican national anthem on the bagpipes. Uh So he starts Uh performing on the bagpipes, and he starts playing um, La Cucaracha. And they were throwing things in the ring. It was the funniest thing in the world. And it was the kind of thing that I don't know that you could – you could do these days, uh, but uh, but no. that was certainly a different time. All Not right, all, but, you, you ready uh, yeah. to go, uh, John? I'm ready. All right, I'm the, the time, sleep, but I'm ready. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, the timer is going to begin after I ask you the first question. Uh, so take your time, but do it quickly. All right, um, what yeah. is a young cat called? Kitten. What federal agency is in charge of collecting income taxes? IRS. What Catholic holiday celebrated this month includes the distribution of palms? Palm Sunday. Who did President Biden nominate to the U.S. Supreme Court? Jackson. What food does my Aunt Camille make for us on a weekly basis? Uh oh, lasagna? Ah. Uh, John, John, John. The good uh, guess. Well, it, I know, but it shows that you don't listen to the show enough. That's the thing. Egg salad. Egg oh, salad, John. Oh, I did hear that story. Son of a gun. All right. All right. Um, John, I'm going to put you on hold. You you are in luck because uh, we are not going to give you a WABC cap. We are feeling generous today. And we are actually going to give you a The, the Other Side of Midnight t-shirt in whatever size you wear. So congratulations. Sounds good. Thanks All right. A lot. John, sorry you get the $1,000. Uh, John getting one, two, three, four, correct. Losing on the fifth question. Um, John, hang on. Give your information to Molly, and she will uh, she will take your information. Coming up, uh, the WABC Early News at 5 a.m. with Deb Valentine, and then the Bernie and Sid show, uh, I believe, with both Bernie and Sid today, as far as I know. I haven't heard anything different. Their guests include... Rich Lowry at 7.40 and Rob Astorino at 8.40. So it uh, certainly sounds like it can be a show for the ages. You're going to want to listen to that. You want to follow me on Twitter at Frank Morano. That's Frank M-O-R-A-N-O. And uh, you can also email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Today is going to be the final day of Officer Sal Greco's trial. I saw Sal on Friday. He was in pretty good spirits. And uh, I I continue to be disappointed that um, Eric Adams hasn't said anything about this. But whatever, maybe he's letting the process play out. If you want to go to that trial, it starts at 10 a.m. at 1 Police Plaza. You know, I feel bad because... This is the third day of the trial, and I haven't been to the first two days. But it starts at 10 a.m., and today's the day that matters most because today's the day that Sal is testifying. He's the one, by the way, 
that they're trying to draw an association with the January 6th rioters, which he was not one of. Uh, basically, they're trying to penalize him for being friends with Roger Stone, for fraternizing with felons. By the way, they monitored his communications with me. And it says in the discovery material that they handed over to the defense, oh, Frank Morano, zero convictions. Well, see, that's one of the one of the reasons that I'm glad I have no criminal convictions. Because Sal can still talk to me. That's right. It's a record I'm very proud of. Zero convictions. Some people say when they hear me talk about Russia and Ukraine that I have zero convictions. But I hope that's a record, at least criminal convictions, that I can maintain till my dying day. But if you want to go to that, that's uh, at one police plaza starting at 10 a.m. I feel bad, but, you know, honestly, there's no way that I can be anywhere at 10 a.m. on a Monday and still help um, my wife with the baby and function at this time tomorrow morning. So I love Sal and I hate what they're doing to him. And I wish, because this is a public proceeding, that I'd be able to watch it online somewhere. But it's just impossible for me to be there. At 10 a.m. I'm hoping he understands. My friend Anthony, uh, who went to his reunion on the wrong day on Friday, did buy him dinner on Friday. So, I mean, I'm hoping that buys me some goodwill with with Sal. And I bought him a cigar. But um, I do feel bad that I'm not going to be able to make that. But I I think he understands. But it's it's too tough. I can't be very difficult. I don't mean to whine, but it's just only you, if you're awake at this time – know how difficult it is to be awake at normal people hours, right? All right, Um, especially if you have a four-month-old, honestly. I hate to keep playing the Carmine card, but still. All right, we are going to give you an opportunity to be heard on any subject for 15 seconds. Any subject is fair game. Say whatever you like. can be a question, could be a joke, could be promoting uh, your Business can be giving a message to a friend, could be giving a coded message to someone. 800-848-9222. open lines if you want to be heard for 15 seconds. 1-800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. side of midnight thank you andy b for one of our dual theme songs so uh, i very much appreciate uh this song and your work here you want to email me uh you can um 
you know, you can email me at frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. I got uh, a message here from John Penley who sends me with this. And we're going to go through your emails tomorrow, by the way. So if you have any great emails or terrible emails, as long as they're funny or pithy or substantive, whatever, email me and we'll read your best and th- worst emails tomorrow morning on the air. Um, John Penley writes, no vets work at as hosts at WABC, so nobody says a word about shuttered hospitals in New York City and elsewhere. Now, first of all, I've mentioned it, and guests on the show have mentioned it, and callers on the show have mentioned it. So I don't accept your premise that people don't say a word. Second, we do have veterans that work here. Greg Kelly served admirably in the Marine Corps, number one. And um, Bernard McGurk, he doesn't refer to himself as a Marine veteran, but he served in the Marine Corps as well. So just chill out. Chill out. That's all I'm saying. All right. um, Without further ado... Well, it is time for you to be heard for 15 seconds. If you'd like, if you got, want to get something off your chest, now's the time. 800-848-9222 because it's time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Mark is in New Haven. Hello, Mark. Good morning, Frank. Here's a, I haven't called for a joke for a while. Here we go. Two little old ladies in their 80s from the old country are talking about things. And one says the other says, so tell me. What do you think about Red China? And she says, I think it on a blue tablecloth, it would look very nice. <laughs> Tom in Brooklyn. Hi, Frank. Good evening. Let the Ukrainians in Mexico in. They are true refugees and have had enough turmoil. Ditch the hate, embrace the love. God bless. Jeff in Suffolk County. Frank, I got to tell you, you are Seinfeld wired just like me because I heard you call her Demi more. Like Sami tractor trailer. <laughs> You're right. The, I see you can't get anything past this audience. They catch all the asteroid, all the Easter eggs. Tom in the boogie down Bronx. Yeah. The former le- leader of Russia, Gorbachev, yes. supposedly has a uh, an oh, office yeah. right in New York City. I don't know whether you knew that. I, actually, I, I don't think I did. Evelyn is in Bayonne. Frank, I'm calling the Star Trek whiz here for an answer. When did or did they ever stop talk or begin talking about money on any of the Star Trek episodes or movies? Uh, I will. I, don't think ev- yeah, I will address that later in uh, l- later in the week, maybe tomorrow. Fred and Yonkers. Hey, Frank. Good morning. I just got done watching the Academy Award winning show, and I was a little confused. I thought it was supposed to be about a computer programmer. From Long Island. We want the four. That's not bad. That's not bad. Mike in New Jersey. Good morning, Frank. Frank, nice tribute for Estelle Harris Costanza. I can hear her and Frank arguing for the rest of eternity. Amen. 800-848-9222. Neil on Staten Island. The city has to plan to close Third Avenue, Manhattan, to only buses and bicycles. What stupid imbecile came up with that idea? Neil, you do understand that was an April Fool's joke, right? You're, you're kidding me. Then, I, then I'm fooled, Frankie. <laughs> I'm fooled. Uh, Al, I guess there's somebody as gullible as Curtis out there. Al is in Manhattan. Hello, Al. 
Hey, Frank, great show as usual. I want to give a shout-out to Matt, and I'm glad that Molly's back. And prayers to the people of Ukraine and for Mr. Bernie. Thank you. Thank you, Al. Uh, Jimmy is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Jimmy. Sins a moron, sins a moron, sins a moron. Oh, I'm glad we got that in. And finally, we'll end with Leo in Westchester. Hello, Leo. Frank, if you need to get rid of a friend of your wife, it's very simple. I did it to my soulmate 20 years of my life. Uh, rest in peace. You start pretending that you like her. You suggest two times, spend time all three together and start acting a little bit shady around. It costs you a, a hysterical jealousy, but friend is gone. Oh, well, I, I, I don't think that's the way to go. Thank you, everybody. Uh, the WABC Early News is next. Bernie and Sid coming up. From 6 until 10, you want to email me to stay in touch, you can do so. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. Find me on Facebook, Facebook.com slash MoranoFan. Tomorrow, uh, we have on the show, um, I'm really looking forward to this, Max Blumenthal. I have some questions for Max Blumenthal from the Gray Zone. And uh, a lot of other things that I have up my sleeve. I'm also going to try and get Ron to reconsider coming on the show on Wednesday. Until we meet again... Frank Morano, good day. WABC Radio is proud to celebrate 100.